Welcome to episode 95 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast, a series of podcasts where I invite a co-host on to discuss a series, an issue or a creator. This week's a special one, one that's been uh, in the making for a couple of months now actually because of uh, we cancelled it once. Um, rejoining me is comics is the comics creator, again another person from north of the Hadrian's Wall, yes it's Johnny Cannon. Hello mate, you alright? I'm amazing Tony, how are you? Good, you sound fresh, you sound sweet. You sound I'm good. So excited! Been on holiday, about, you? Oh, yeah, no, he said. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, honestly, I'm bubbling over. Yeah, holiday was great, but just I've been really, really looking forward to this, just because it's it's probably one of well, it is one of my favourite comic artists to talk about, or, yeah. or, or comics to talk about as well. Good, excellent. Now we, uh, I think, Eamon, um Eamon Clark messaged me earlier. And we were talking about Ditko, and I said I've got you on to talk about it, and you are very excited, and this is going to be an epic. Epic conversation. Now, <laughs> who? Now, this was. Um, we were going to do this, but there was some. There was a certain football match. I know you're a fan of that that sport. Uh, that, that occurred, and then that. we had to put it off again because it was Father's Day the following Sunday. So yes. um, we put it off to now. But um, it's actually given us both a chance to go deep. We, we like to go deep, both of us, I'm sure. But uh, it's go deep into the um, the legend of this person, um, yeah. and and the facts, which. Uh, of, of all the creators we've 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 both talked about and have had on this show, I think this is a man who there's a lot talked about and there's not a, there's a lot missed. Now, who have you chosen for us to talk about tonight? Well, you chose the topic. I just chose oh, did I? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, right. you, you suggested him, and I, I right. just started sobbing in excitement. Yeah, yeah. Um, aye, it's Steve Ditko. Great, good, and we've each chosen. You've chosen um, a two-issue run. Yes. Um, uh, of Spider-Man. Uh, which issues mm-hmm. was that again? Uh, 26 and 27 of Amazing Spider-Man. It's the first volume, none of the pish that's preceded it. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah if you put Amazing Spider-Man into Marvel Unlimited, there's a few oh. crappy fucking series come up. Yeah, but the the, 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 the one true original. And I've yes. chosen um, Shade the Changing Man, issue one. No, not the wanky Vertigo series. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> and not the young Aye. animal load of shit that came out. But the original, the OG, um, Ditko, I've described in my notes as the first and the last sane man in comics. That's my theory, <laughs> which is both a good and a bad state of affairs, I'm going to say. And I've also written the word maybe next to it. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was going to say. I. <laughs> yeah. oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> good. Um to be fair, I think we'll probably, throughout this, we'll probably name check some places we've done a quite a lot of research because we've both spent the mortgage on purchasing books about him and, and listened to inordinate amounts of uh, podcasts and also read sure, uh, inordinate amounts of yeah articles online then there's a lot out there about him there's a lot out there that is um anecdotal there's a lot out there that's factional um f- f- is well fictional let's face it um yeah um lies ha- lies yeah. Lies. Yeah. lies and statistics so how did um you f- when when's your first memory of reading his stuff i'm, gonna, I'm guessing it is as, as, as a kid was it or um, Tech was a funny one because when I I was born in 1974, so by the time I was reading comics, it was first uh, Marvel UK reprints, and Spider Man was a character yeah. above all that I completely fell in love with. But they weren't reprinting Ditko by that point. It was it was much later stuff they were reprinting. Um, it would have been have it been, it early have been after Romita even I would think by then. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. always way way after that. Um, but. It was when I, I got I somehow managed to get hold of old annuals from the seventies okay. where they would reprint Ditko's stuff in colour. Yeah. So it was always really evocative in my head of um, 
you know, was, those were the first comics I'd seen in colour. And then I, I managed to, uh, I, this, this particular issue I got, I started getting Marvel Tales. And this was yes. reprinted in Marvel yeah. Tales, issue 164 or 165. And I had 164, but didn't get 165. Um, so when I read that, it was just like, I mean, uh, to say this is, I mean, this is probably my favourite comic. Like, All right. um, and it's, Spider-Man's probably my favourite character. My, it's probably my favourite comic. It's got some. Of, it's probably got my favourite panels in it as well. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I started writing down. I was taking notes, like to talk, pull out specific examples because I know you're going to ask, "Oh, is there anything he does in particular?" Yeah. And I actually realised I was going through the comic panel by panel. Every <laughs> panel. There's a, a space for an essay man. somewhere around that, breaking it the down master- panel by panel. Yeah. Yeah. They're master classes in storytelling. Now, I'm guessing you read it as a kid as a story. Yes. So you read it as a yes. kid as a Spider-Man story and loved the character. And, you know, Peter Parker yes. appealed to us all, didn't he? I'm a couple of years mm-hmm. older than you, but certainly I discovered him in a similar way. I think yes. I read him initially in the Marvel UK, but I also discovered him in Marvel Tales as well. As well. Marvel Tales were always to me, was the comic I would buy if they didn't have the actual Spider-Man comic. You know, there's a bit of that going on oh, sometimes. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm guessing, now knowing you as I know you is... You've become a student of a certain group of artists, and Ditko's one of them. I know Toth's another one we spoke about previously, but is it is yeah. it now that you you've turned from being um, just a straightforward enjoyer of the stories to someone who studies the craft more? I suppose that's. I, I don't know if you've had this as well. Where it's it's like um, you know if you really get into producing something, you you lose some of your enjoyment of of consuming it because you know yeah. how it's done. It's like but when also, I review a comic, I don't read it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you look at it critically, but it's the same if you're looking at it from a craft point of view. That D- mm. goes unusual because um, sometimes I'm reading a comic for enjoyment, but I start studying it. Like it's it's not a conscious choice just to see how it's done. When I start studying a Ditko comic, I start reading it because I'm just enjoying it so much. Okay. So it's harder to study because I just, I really, really, particularly these ones, it's, it, I mean, there's different periods in, in Ditko's career and, and some of it resonates with me more than others, but um, yeah. I, these, oh, yeah, I think you're right, man. I mean, he really is. I mean, I made a note of the fact that he's, he's an artist who, or a creator, he's a creator who jumped about from company to company. I think the thing is, we'll talk about the, the Mount Rushmore of, <clears throat> of Marvel Comics in a second. I know I want to hear, hear your version of it. But the, to me, he would have had slightly more elevated status if he had done a Jack, where Jack did much longer tenures on characters and companies mm-hmm. before shifting. Ditko, even even his nephew mentions this. You know, Mark Mark Ditko, he he, he tended to fall out with quite a few people as he went along. There's some who stuck by him, but there was a few who sort of fell out with him, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Aye, that that's certainly one of the impressions that you get. I, I, I I'm not so sure because yeah, because one of the things I started looking at, and I'm sure you did as well. You, if you're doing a Ditko Spider-Man comic, at some point you're going to get start looking at why he left Spider-Man and yeah. all the misround about that. Yeah, and one of one of the suggestions put forward as a royalties thing with with Martin Goodman, Renegan. So Martin Goodman, the owner of Marvel Comics um, at the time, and Stan Lee's. Um, uncle-in-law, I think yep. it was, um, reneged on a promise to give him royalties. And that's when when he left Spider-Man, that's when the Spider-Man cartoon was hitting TV. That's okay. when Spider-Man was appearing in pants. Um, so it, you're, you're talking about <laughs> millions of pounds in licensing money. And if you think about it over the years, I mean, I know people talk about comic sales and books still being in print. 
you're talking billions of dollars of licensing money. Yeah. Um, it's 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 I, I <laughs> and you can talk about principles. It's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of well, money. Well, let's get this fallacy out of the way quickly because it's something that we we both. If you were a casual studier of the the yes. creator, you might think now. I think this may this has come from a number of sources, but is most commonly known through or believed through the documentary in search of Steve Ditko, the Jonathan Ross documentary, which has some great interviews in it, has some moments in it. I know you're not completely as big of you're not you're not as much of a fan of it as I am, to be fair. I know yeah. you you've got you got your critic and, and I can completely understand that. But from this one single point, it, it was said in there that the reason he left the he left he left Marvel and left Spider Man was because he had a disagreement with Stan about the revelation of who the, the Green Goblin was. Now that's patently bollocks, isn't it? I think the and it's, I think it's a complete lie. Yeah, because these two yeah. issues you actually see the seeding of the Green Goblin's identity. It's in these two issues. Yes, yeah, uh, and there's a revelation uh, to one character. Yes. You know, there's an agreement, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, I don't think it's it's not completely known, and there's that's a, is made something of a truism by the meeting that is recounted i think by stan at one point i'm not sure if it's in that true believer book but it's certainly something i've heard where they he they he when he, when he was doing ravage 2099 you know the the, the yes. vigilante dustbin man <laughs> he uh um they actually asked ditko to take part in it didn't they and he yes he took the meeting you know he actually came I... in and took the meeting and sat and listened patiently and and as he, he at the end of it, he very politely said, "Look, it's not for me, but I, mean, I really appreciate you calling me in." I think, to be fair, Ditko was pleased of work in most in terms, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And as he left, um, I can't remember the, the the editor who Stan turned to. Can you remember? I think it's Tom DeFalco. I think you're right, man. Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, Stan turns to Tom DeFalco and says, "Do you know why he left Spider Man?" Yeah, you know, at this moment, you know. Um, <sighs> I think, well, I know there have been court cases, but not in this instance. Yeah. Um, Stan Lee, by by all accounts, is an unreliable narrator of of history, including yeah. his own history. He may, I honestly think, this isn't me saying I think he's a horrible human being or I hate the guy. I whatever. think people are so sh- they're, they're shades of good and bad, man. I think yes. I do. I read the. Um, the Abraham Reisman book, and I, I found it quite depressing. But the, the, yeah. there is a big element of that where he does sort of contradict himself through his lifetime of sort of anecdotes. You know, if yeah. you make up, if you, it's hard to remember back, particularly as you age, what you made up and what actually happened. Fucking hell, I make stuff up all the time. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> we all do, don't we? Yeah. Um, aye, and and yeah, he's he's completely unreliable. He's completely. <laughs> He's untrustworthy. Yeah. But the dick code, again, the thing that's consistently appears in interviews with folk, some folk, yeah, he's difficult. He's principled. Yeah. You know? And and he's, I think he's a more reliable narrator. With it. I mean, I think the thing that people probably disagree with now, and I'm not... The funny thing is, if Spider-Man get published now, I'm not... I'm, I think he would probably get fired in issue two because of what people believed his political beliefs to be. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in a bit, man. I want to, I want to talk to you about... Or philosophical. Yeah, how much that ca- carries through to his work. But before we do that, I think it's... um, I think we both agree he's a complicated man. And he is a man who yeah. does stand by his principles. But I, I just before we came on to you, we were, talk, you were talking through structure because I knew we were going to run off on this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the sun's going to go down and come up again by the time we finish. So the, um, <laughs> I was saying one of the things I wanted to posit to you is the fact that i think there's three fathers of marvel comics and that's jack stan and ditko 
with Ditko as a trailing third, I'm going to say. But you seem you you would posit that there's five. Who would you add um, or take away? You know? Well, it's, it's, it's so the reason why I'm saying that is because it, it's the when I was thinking about the whole arguments around who created Spider Man and there's all the and I know that's a, a rabbit warren, but there's Kirby claims he created Spider Man. Lee claim, claims he created Spider Man. Yeah, I think Joe Simon claimed he created Spider Man. Ditko has never said he created Spider-Man. Ditko's always said he co-created Spider-Man. Okay. And he's 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 produced Kirby's original design, Kirby's original pitch, which is basically the um the Archie Comics, the Fly character just recycled. Yeah. yeah. And they were quite the litigious, other... I think, weren't they? Um yeah. the Red Circle Archie people, yeah. Yeah. But, but there's another creator of Spider-Man that's never discussed, and it's Stan Goldberg. Okay. Um Stan Goldberg was the person who designed the colour scheme for Spider-Man. Which is red and blue, and that's because red and blue was the color theory behind superhero comics. Because of the way comics were produced, right? Heroes tended to be the primary colors, and then villains had the secondary colors. The green—that's why so many of Spider-Man's uh, rogues gallery are green and purple. <laughs> I was going to say purple, yeah, yeah, exactly, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, so, so when I was think because again when I was thinking about, I know there's a question you're probably going to ask later on, and it's a question I've heard you ask in the Awesome Comics podcast before around definitive Spider-Man artists. Yeah. How do you figure that out as you think about what they brought to the character? If you think about classic Spider-Man villains, I would argue 90%, if not more, they're Ditko. And I know that, okay. that that a lot of people, particularly people who've got interest in kind of um, Bronze Age comics, that when, they, when they're talking about um, who's the definitive artist for Spider-Man, they'll argue either John Romita or, or, or Steve Ditko. You look at what Ditko brought to the table and what Ramita brought to the table. Ramita's stuff looks prettier. It's ba- it's basically Archie Comics. He's got Betty and Veronica with Gwen and, Gwen and, yeah, and Mary um, Jane. And the, they're beautiful, and I love them. But he does cycle back through the Ditko villains, doesn't he? Compare the, the villains. Yeah, the yeah. Shocker. <laughs> Compared to the Vulture or Doc Ock. Yeah, um, you know, even only... Craven was a Ditko character, wasn't he? Is that oh right? god, yeah. he draws the best Craven. He does, doesn't it's... he? Yeah, that cover where he's leaping down on him, just oh beautiful. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh god, it's so good. Yeah, I actually think that Spider-Man's got as I would put Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery up against anyone Absolutely. in Marvel, and he's the best in Marvel. I think the only the only one possibly that stands a chance of beating it, you know, from a sort of imagination sort of thing, is Batman's Rogues Gallery. Really, you know, he's got yeah, that breadth of some people. Yeah, yeah. Some people say the Flash, but no, I agree with you, Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Flash is a good one. Yeah. Or Dick Tracy. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. So you're going to say, so that's what's that for then? So who would be the fifth one? Uh, the fifth one would be Saul Brodsky. Okay, and that's right. that's from a licensing point of view. So he was the production manager around that time, and that's who, <laughs> as well as the the mediator between Stan Lee and Steve Ditko after Stan Lee stopped talking to Steve Ditko. So, which is another myth that Steve Ditko stopped talking to Lee. By most accounts, it wasn't. It's just Lee seemed to get fed up with Ditko arguing about stuff, and because yeah, Ditko I think was he would he would put off meetings and make him wait outside. Yes. From what I understand, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so Saul Brodsky, but he also designed the logos, um, sort of the titles for um, Amazing Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. So, if you think about it from a licensing point of view, what is reproduced? It's not just Ditko at um, artwork and to be fair, John Romita used to be seemed to be the standard for licensing. It's the Sp- Amazing Spider-Man logo as well. Yeah. So if you think about how the majority of people see Spider-Man and think of Spider-Man, it would be probably Romita, probably Sal Brodsky, and probably Stan Goldberg. And I don't know if that's because Romita's stuff is 
you know more heroic I suppose yeah yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's more stock it's 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 not as it's not as weird it's not as interesting as Dicko but but Dicko's not everyone's cup of tea yeah I think I think definitely co-creator I don't think there's any doubt in my mind around that I think there's certainly oh, got to be that case I think um some we both listened to the John Suntrist uh Zach yes. Cruzy interview the other day and and Zach brings up a, a point right at the end I think he, of that interview where he says um every time you hear a superhero have a more of a human moment that's down to Ditko Yes. I, don't, I don't think it's completely down to Ditko, but because I think that Stan certainly had a hand in the, <coughs> you know, the layout of, you know, he's at college, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that sort of thing. You know, he lives with his aunt, and I think, but I do think that Ditko speaks a lot to that. Where, to me, of the three that I quoted, I think Jack was much more bombastic. He was much more about the action. Well, um, but with that's... with with um with Peter, excuse me for saying Bertho, but with Peter, he you kind of know where he sleeps most nights, don't you? You know, you know the costume problems he has. You know, the th- he has, takes Aunt May to the cinema in this story, doesn't he, and stuff. You know, um, yeah. Um, that that's one of the notes I took for for issue um, twenty six. Is just the storytelling's a masterclass because there's the the costume thing. It's Chekhov's gun. He introduces it. Yeah. Um, on 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 um on page two. And it becomes the crucial plot plot point by the end of the issue. It's I mean it's genius storytelling, but you're right. It's these. I mean that that's the other thing that's in Ditko as well, and I think Kirby was great at this as well. They were both incredible humor artists in a way that say John Buscema, for all his talents, probably the best illustrator Marvels had, or arguably the best illustrator Marvels had. Yeah, he didn't have the comic chops that Ditko um, or um, Kirby had, and I think that's where a lot of human element comes from is from the slapstick in Fantastic Four between Johnny Storm and the yeah. Thing, but also the, um, you know, the kind of um, vaudevillian elements, I suppose, in, in Spider-Man, of you've got these noirish elements, and then it's followed by farce of arguments with Betty Brandt, and then it doubles down with J. Jonah Jameson coming out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the body language is incredible. Yeah, the acting and the character is incredible. It is, it is good, yeah. And you, yeah. I, I know what you're saying about this. this to me, there's... A line walked by Ditko, and I'm going to say more than Kirby, that there's not only a strain... We'll talk about the strangeness at some point in this chat, I'm sure, of mm-hmm. Ditko's work, but there is that little... It's not... You're right, it's not super serious, somehow. It strikes me as not... It's... He 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 didn't turn his hand to comedy that much, did he, Ditko? But he could have done, I think. It's... So the back of that Blake Bell book, there's there's aye, there's not that that there's there's quite a lot of covers and stuff that yeah. uh, and Blake Bell argues that his humour works often overlooked, and Ditko's a funny one because he's oh the stuff in uh, Wits End I was I was sending oh, that yeah. to people today the one about the train yeah. and the bird yeah brilliant you know some of my favourite yeah. one page gags yeah and and yeah. also he may or may not have done. <laughs> some humour fetish comics oh, with right. Eric Stanton, who also claims to have a hand in creating Spider-Man <laughs> right, in regards to okay. the webs and the fetish look of the Spider-Man costume. Right. Um, which I think is maybe stretching the argument a bit. <laughs> but they certainly were good friends, shared a studio, which again is another contradiction or... or of him or, being this loner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, it's like... Aye. Well, let's talk a little bit about his history and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, what uh, your issue and, and and talk a little bit about the art of his. So, Steve Ditko, yeah. born the 2nd of November 1927, um, a Scorpio, which also appeared in one of his... Um, uh, quite significantly as a motif in one of his chant stories, which is pretty interesting. Died the 29th of June 1918. Was found... Um, that was the date he was found. 
So I think a social worker had been in contact with him because he was, is he nine? I think he was 90. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the police ended up breaking in. The, when the police broke in, he they they had to sort of allegedly had to push the door because there were so many letters behind yeah. the door because of his letter writing that he used to do that we'll talk about in a bit. He was born in Jonestown, Pennsylvania, um, born as a Catholic um, from a Czech immigrant parents. Um, he, as a kid, loved the spirit. He loved Eisner stuff. Um, he studied under Jerry Robinson. He basically um, came out of the army and used the G- what was the GI Bill, which is something we've talked about a couple of times in this show, which is where if you came out, if you served in the army and you came out, they would pay your college tuition fees to a certain extent. And he went to um, the New York City cartoonist and illustrator school. Um, mm-hmm. And he also, where he actually met Stan, didn't he? They bumped into each other there, didn't they? Was Stan doing a visit on there or something? I think something like that happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he's also was uh, worked under Mort Meskin, who was the guy who created Vigilante. Um, influences I've put as Jerry Robinson, um, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, because he worked in their studio for a while, um, and also some of the EC crowd, um, who he, 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 you you love his EC work, don't you? The Wash stuff. Yeah, well, well, his, well, his Warren stuff was was washed up, but yeah, his, his Charlton stuff as well. I think he did right, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlton. Um, I so the, the the ones that in letters he said that were his were his influences that he stated these okay. are the ones are it was Jerry Robinson, Will Eisner, Mort Meskin, um, and Harvey Kurtzman, and the, okay. I think his yeah, favourite well. writer was yeah. Joe Gill. Yes, now Joe worked with him quite a lot, didn't he? Joe, Joe's um, quite a good writer. I read some of his Yang stuff a few years ago, and um, mm-hmm. he was big, just a big charm guy, wasn't he, Joe Gill? He didn't, he didn't really mm-hmm. translate to the sort of Marvel fanboys and DC fanboys that we know of. But yeah, really interesting writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's created numerous things over the years. Um, the just just a few of his um, creations. I'll, I'll sort of reel them off so people will realise. So Captain Atom. Spider-Man co-creation, Doc Strange. Now, Doc Strange in, in Strange Tales 110 is an interesting one because <laughs> Stan has had to cough to this, isn't he? Because he basically came in and saw Stan and said, this is what I've created, and Stan wrote yeah. the dialogue. So Stan has coughed, coughed to that one. Interestingly enough, there's two missing stories, aren't there, of Doc's, uh, Doctor Strange? Yes. That, um, and, and, go on, oh, no, I was just going to say, and another thing about the start is that, um, and this is something that Zach um, uh, Crazy talks about quite a lot is in that Suntress interview in Word Balloon is that the character was originally East Asian. Um, yes. Said, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the character was whitewashed by, well, um, either Frank Giacoya Inc. and Stan Lee's behest, um, which is which is interesting. Um, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't and, it? And pretty abominable as well, but. But it's a very different character. A very different character. Yeah. Um, in regards to that, he drew two issues of Doctor Strange just off his own back, apparently. Yeah. So the legend goes. And I know Mark Ditko was asked when he cleared out the studio whether he found them. And he, it was only a couple of weeks ago that he revealed that they had they didn't have them. Really? So they're about somewhere. So that would be... Gil, Gil if... Kane's estate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, Nightshade, which was a backup character in uh, Captain Atom. Mm-hmm. 1967, he created Mr. A, uh, that appeared in Wit's End. And then the same year, The Question. So, which are two sides of the same coin. Um, really interesting characters. We'll talk about that when we get to um, his philosophies, I suppose. Uh, 1968, another element of what is perceived to be um, Ditko's personal opinions is uh, Hawk and Dove. Which he drew two issues for at the start of in Showcase seventy five and seventy I think it was seventy six. Now he stopped drawing that because he had was it T B or something? Is that right? 
Yeah, he'd had TB the first time round um, in 1954 to 1955, right. and then he had a second bout, I think it would have been, because I was listening to a Paul Levitt's interview, and he, he was saying that he didn't think the keeper in Hawk and Dove was his strongest work because of his illness. Yeah, so I assume okay. it, yeah. it was a TB recurring as well, and I think that really affected his work. Yeah, I like, I read the Creeper book. Um, I've got the, the DC put it out when they sort of um, pulp paper back um, hardbacks, the Creeper by Steve mm-hmm. Ditko, a couple of years ago. It's a great book if you can find it. I think it's too expensive, and I make you right around that, mate. I absolutely love the design, but it's not quite as detailed as a lot of his. For example, Spider Man. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot less ink on the page on it. 1975, we've got the Destructor Atlas, which is called Atlas Seaboard, um, which was the very short-lived character, um, and Stalker at DC Comics. In 1977, we got Shade, which we'll talk about in a minute. 1988, we've got Speedball. Um, <laughs> I love Speedball. Yeah. I honestly love Speedball. I <laughs> it's love great. It's, if ever there was a character, I would say apart from Shade that was created to just illuminate Ditko's work, yeah. it's that, isn't it? It really is to me. There's so much fun in yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's so enjoy it's aye, it's it's lovely. Yeah, and the one that um, people forget is Squirrel Girl in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, Squirrel Girl. Yeah. So all this sort of mm-hmm. fanboy craziness about Squirrel Girl, it was actually um, a Dick convention. Yeah. You've missed one. Have I? Um, oh, okay. What have I missed? Uh, Chuck Norris. You created Chuck <laughs> Norris as well. And his Karate Commandos. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that just purely. It's, Crap, I bought it purely because Dick drew it. Yeah, yeah. I tried to get a copy of it to see. I think I was going to send it to you, actually. <laughs> right. And um, I just couldn't get the first issue. It's really hard to get hold of. <laughs> Interesting. Right, mate. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, his art now, I think. And we will fit. We're going to then, we're gonna, before we flip back on some themes and some, some talk about Shade as well as Spider Man. Um, he um, did. There's a lot of questions out there about whether he evolved. I think he did evolve. Do you? Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's because um, with art, with art style, certainly yes. I don't know if that's because of changing in his um, the way that he, he constructed pages because his his pencils were, were, were famously loose. Right. Um, so he mostly I, I inked himself, didn't he? There were occasions when, for example, um, Wally Wood, or even burning him at one point, didn't he? I think. Burn, I think yeah. I think he was P. Craig Russell inked him, Jackson Jackson yeah. Geese inked him. I think he was a guy that people specifically requested. Yeah, to I think that's why definitely why Burn did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you think he did, so you can you can trace that through from the you know the monster stories through from Silver Age Marvel through to uh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you can you can see the kind of you can see different turning points in his work. But I think one thing maybe to remember is again not just the inking but the colouring and also the printing process has been different yeah. at different um, companies. So his chart and stuff maybe doesn't look as strong. Um, is, is the Marvel stuff. I don't think the DC stuff actually looks as... Looks yeah, as some of the Charlton stuff, stuff is very muddily printed, isn't it? It's actually, you think, oh, great, you know, yeah. i got Dick Cohen, you know, you know, Joe Staten in this book, and you're looking, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Very, mud, very muddy. The, some of the DC stuff as well, the print kind of disappears into um, the, the colours and stuff, and the paper's quite grey. Yeah, I, yeah. Is there any particular characters you, or particular art periods or, or issues that you think, right, this is... If you, if you, because there's a lot of kids out there that don't know who Ditko is, is he's been gone for a while, and you know, I, I think peak, peak Ditko art for me, I get Spider Spider Man round about issue ten onwards is incredible. Okay, um, I think, I mean, I know Doctor Strange as well, and um, because his line work, yeah, is so, oh god, his line work's amazing and inking. But then again, when he was inking uh, Kirby and the Hulk. 
I mean, because Stan Lee famously said Ditko was Kirby's best inker. I don't know if he was just saying that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you never know, do you? Yeah, but, yeah. But, um, aye, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's... Oh, God, his line's amazing. It, it really is. Uh, I, think he's, I think his work's better when Inks, Inks himself. Yeah, um, yeah, Wally Wood, I do enjoy Wally Wood's Inks. Cause I think, oh, yeah, Star- Starker looks good, aye. aye yeah, in aye. a weird way, they're both... There's a similarity between them, aren't there? You know, somehow. Um, I can see... I can see the Kurtzman influence yeah, in yeah. Ditko and definitely in these Spider-Man issues, particularly look at the design of the female characters, Liz Allen, Betty Brandt, the original Gwen Stacy. It's milk and if. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just is milk and if. I mean, the body, the body shape. Yeah. Um, yeah, milk and if's a big one, I was going to say. Yeah, definitely. I, oh, I, yeah. absolutely. Um, more so even than, than Will Eisner, or you can see a wee bit of the, oh God, what do you call it, the Dragon Lady. Yeah, you um, can see the Will Eisner film. stuff, and I, I know one that's often quoted is the construction of Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum. You know, it's it's it looks, mm. it's got that, you know, the shape of the it's building. It's the window. Yeah, it is the yeah. window, isn't it? I suppose you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another one. So, I mean, if you're going to ape anyone, ape Eisner, do you know what I mean? There, well, that definitely... appears in Shade, which surprised <laughs> me. I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Shade's. <laughs> Packed in, man. The the, the stuff that goes on in that issue—it's tiring to read. Yeah, I, I, I've read it twice, and I'm like, I still don't understand. <laughs> I don't, who's this dude with the staff? What's happened yes, there? It's, yeah, it's, but it's but it's not, I mean, the, the the concept of it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something about his line and something about his faces for me. Definitely is. I don't know how to. I really don't know how to verbalize it, but it's. He's not right, is he? The, the, do you know it's there's, there's a sort of <laughs> there's this sort of sharp emotion, like Google, not even Google Eye, but there's this sort of dramatic over dramatization a lot of time in his faces for me. Sometimes it's either one or the other. It's either nothing or you know screaming energy at you. You know, um, does does um, I can read you a quote from Jack Kirby? Yeah, yeah. Because because I was just looking at when I was looking into. You know, the whole thing about, you know, the creation myth around um, uh, Spider-Man. I think it's in the Comics Journal 6. And it's it's Jack Kirby right. and Roz Kirby getting interviewed, I think, by Gary Groth. Okay. Um, and Kirby's talked about how he came up with it and stuff like that. And then, but then, I can't remember if it's that interview or another one, he starts talking about why he likes Ditko. Um and, and one bit he said, it was Steve Ditko that made Spider-Man the well-known character that he is. It's got a definite style that you could recognise anywhere. You can point to any picture that Steve makes and say, Ditko did that, it's individual. Yeah, you can. The yeah. next bit, which I didn't write down, Roz Kirby says, he draws everyone Polish. And Jack Kirby <laughs> says, yes, everyone looks Polish. I'm not saying that. That's what they said. But there is that kind of... Um, that that's in his stuff. It's just it feels real. I think the other thing is is that Ditko's got an incredible sense of depth, right? And is even more than Kirby. But also one of the things when you were talking earlier on about movement with Kirby, yeah, and that dynamism is that I think it was in Cartoonist Cafe. They talk about how with Kirby's foreshortening, the images come out towards you. It's almost like a three D effect. Yeah. Whereas with Ditko, it's a kind of lateral movement. And when I was reading through, okay. it's funny because when you read through those two Spider-Man issues and it's there in shade, the carrot, particularly with the Spider-Man design, if you go from, say, page 12 and, and issue, sorry, no, page uh, 11 on issue 26, and you start following it through and you go into issue 27, 
it actually looks like Spider-Man is moving across the page. Okay, right. It's 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 like sort of a flip it's, it's, yeah. No, not like a flip book. It's because he's moving about the page. The sense of motion. It's just the choreography is right. unbelievable. It's it's. And then obviously did his um, his multiple images when he would show Spider-Man moving through space. He would do less um, detailed figures to show where Spider-Man had been like a millisecond before. Yes. To show him kind of switch, jumping yeah. about. That's incredible. Yeah, no, it's good. And yeah, he really got that because he realised he had to bounce about, didn't he? That's the thing with Spider-Man. Yeah. He genuinely has yeah. to do that. I'm, I'm going to um, be slightly controversial and say I prefer his Doctor Strange work. I think it's for Marvel. I think it's just because I, I enjoy that... Um, that sort of creepy dimensional extra thing yeah. that was going on, you know. But you got to remember, he was doing them both at the same time, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he was doing Charlton stuff as well. Right, okay. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he stopped working for Charlton until they, they ran out of work or he yeah. fell out with someone. Um, <laughs> yeah. or, or someone. I don't think he fell out with... I think, I think folk found them difficult because of his principles and because he would push back and things. Probably and ask say, a lot about right. story moments and, you know, why are we doing this? And, you know, there's probably and a bit pay. of that going on. Yeah, why aren't pay. you paying me more? Yeah. Pay me for writing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a couple of things I want to pick out during his art that I, I just, it, for me, it's sort of quintessential um, Ditko is a few things. And first is everyone looks like they're from the set of Mad Men. You know, they all wear those suits and hats, don't they? Even in the seventies, oh, yeah, they were still wearing those suits and hats, weren't they? Yeah. You know, um, there's um, some just amazing nudely costume design as well, and I'm, I'm sure there's been you know 400 artists since Dick Codrey Spider Man who bemoan the fact that they have to draw those webs. You know, uh, I haven't done it a few times in commissions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the... yeah. There's different tricks to doing it. Um, the way, aye, there's a certain way you, you can do the mask, but it's the, the really hard bit is when you go down the back of the head into the neck and then over the shoulders. Then you're just like, oh my god! But he's got a trick. If you if you look closely at his stuff to create okay. a sense of motion, he reverses the partner webs. The webs. Yeah. Right. Which, okay. So it's so it's not um, it's not consistent. And a few folk picked up in that in the letters columns when John Romita took over. Oh, his costume doesn't look wonky. That's because Ditko was showing emotion and movement, and that's why the eye shape changes and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. so it's, I, it's such I, a huge gear shift, isn't it, between him and Ramita? Really Ramita tried. I remember I read an interview with Ramita, and Ramita says at first he tried to mimic Ditko and he just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, Ramita, because um, he said, I've read it in interviews, we also see it. Ramita, when I've seen his early Captain America stuff, and I think I said this before when we spoke about it, was. He looks very like a kind of Frank Robbins or Milk Kniff. You can see that. And then he gets more polished because he'd been aping Toth on the okay. Vance comics. So it smooths right out. Yeah. So if you're then in that smooth... There's a bit of cubit there as well, I think, somewhere. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. I know it's that, but you're right. The figure work yeah. are definitely right. Yeah. It's, and and the, some of the feathering as well. Okay. Aye, yeah. aye, aye. And, but if you're then going to go back to Ditko from that, it's very hard to go back from a clean line to, to Ditko's... Because it's unique. It's just... Aye. Yeah. Yeah, it is incredible. Aye. The other thing I notice, he does sudden emotional changes. So there's, Aye. you know, everything goes from, you know, Peter Parker will walk in a room and then everyone's shouting, you know. Aye, <laughs> it's, it's, aye, aye, in issue 26, I think it's, it's, it's in page five when he's having that argument with Betty Brandt and it's played for comedic uh, yeah. effect. Like I said, it doubles down with Jameson just walks in shouting at him. <laughs> and it's just, but if you look at, you look at the way that he uses the kind of, um, his lines, the lines emanating from 
Betty. Yes. Um, yeah, uses that. And, and Peter, aye. Because we think of the spider sense, you know, tingling stuff, but he does it elsewhere as well, doesn't he? He does use that, yeah. that to yeah. effect. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and oh. his fights always seem to be this complicated jumble of a pylon. There's a great fight in, I think it's the second issue you're talking about, and where there's yeah. two cops fighting and there's a gang against them and Spider-Man joins in, and it's like this mass of people. It's like someone in it's, the school playground shouted pylon, you know, a jump on, and they've all sort of bundled on, haven't they, you know? Yeah, but I mean, if, again, if you look at the figures, none of it's static. Everyone's yeah. moving. It's just, yeah. it's, it's it's madness, but, but it's, again, within those, you've got the real sense of depth. It's like um, when... Like Alan Davis has mentioned, um, Ditko's a big influence on him and specifically talks about capes okay. and Doctor Strange's yeah. cape. But if you look at the way that Alan Davis constructs fight scenes, he does it in um, layers or almost in waves, which is the way that I learned to do those mass fight scenes as well. Okay. So you kind of draw the foreground, you can draw the middle ground separately, then drop it in behind, which is easier to do digitally. Then you do the background. You see that in Ditko as well. But again, the way the camera moves about, and the way that Spider-Man moves through that that mass that incredibly complicated fight, if you look, yeah, it at really the, is, isn't it? And you've got uh, you've got to work where the camera is coming from on that because it feels you know where, where everyone is, but it's there's what, twenty <laughs> people involved, and the, and the two cops who are fighting um, it, are really well done because of the the uniforms. One's a black guy and one's a white guy, aren't they? So yes. he mixes that up, and it's it's really well done. I really did like that. Yeah. Which again, if we go back to the Doctor Strange thing earlier on, he's an East Asian character. Yeah. These two cops, like the black cop and the and the, and, and if we go back to you know the colouring and stuff like that, it is a black cop because you can tell the way he's inked, he's inked the figure. Yeah. Um, you can t- you can tell that in black and white because I've read this in black and white in the essential okay. volumes. Yeah. Um, it's a heroic character, and 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 again, that wasn't that common at the time. Yeah. I mean, I know people talk about Jack Kirby, but 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 Ditko was drawing characters yeah this is before the black um, panther and all that sort of thing he was drawing diversity into it so so i but did you notice in page so in page five of the um this is when you're talking about camera position page five of issue 27 that bottom panel no i've got that in front of me you'll have to describe it i'm calling it up i'm calling it up now yeah yeah all right okay so it's basically it's a it's a it's a so the so the page is in three tiers the top tier is two panels the middle panel, sorry, the middle tier is three panels, and then the bottom panel is one panel horizontal. Right. And the shot is through Spider-Man's legs, jumping down into the villains who are fighting the two cops. So there's a vanishing point behind okay. the cops yeah. Yeah. And, and in front of Spider-Man, and it's almost like Spider-Man's ball Oh, cam. so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, no one does stuff like that. And he used yeah. to do it covers, but you're just like, I mean, if I was constructing a pattern, I'd never, I wouldn't even think to It's do because that. people worry that it will look like there's a giant Spider-Man above the crowd. But with Ditko's skills, you realise that it's nothing. It never occurs to me that that's what's happening there. D- you know? D- 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 uh, Lee uh, rejected a couple of Ditko covers. He famously rejected Amazing Fantasy number 15 because the camera was looking down in Spider-Man and he wanted the camera looking up and that's why uh, okay, Kirby that drew it. Camera work theory, also, isn't it, about respecting yeah. people, etc. Yeah, it's weird that he got that so early, but yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. There was two other ones that were redrawn. There was issue 10 with Enforcers that get redrawn and it's a, the cover that they use looks like a kind of curb, curb, very quick carpet and it's a terrible cover. But there's another one with the Molten Man where it... Where it Dick will get asked to redraw it because his arse, Spider-Man's arse was too big in the car. <laughs> and you see that sometimes. And Ross Andrew does it. His run is Spider-Man. Yeah, the big arse. Because, because yeah. they're taking chances with perspective. 
Yeah. Um, then you, you, you've got to do that. You've got to. It's not. It's not. It's not. We're not watching a movie. You know. It's this. <laughs> you know. Neil Adams was doing this at the same time. You know. There was. There was about to. I think. You know. Yeah. You got. You got to take that chance. That's yeah. that's very interesting, man. Now this is um, something I thought I'd ask you. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a few theories. So I thought we might exchange people who are clearly influenced by Ditko. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought we might exchange a few names. I'm mm-hmm. going to start by saying fr- Frank Miller. So Frank Miller's run on on um, Daredevil, his early run on Daredevil, to me is is very Ditko esque. Absolutely. Yeah. Without okay. a shadow of a doubt. Completely. Okay. Completely. Good. Well, have you got anyone else you'd like to mention? Oh, right, are, we, are we playing a game of this? Yeah, no, just one. We just thought we could name a few. Uh, Alan, yeah, Alan, yeah. Alan Davis has, has said yeah. that it was the Capes, and, if, and and I'll throw in for equal measure Todd McFarlane. <laughs> yeah, I've got Todd written down as well. Aye, yeah, aye. there's no doubting that because of the the weirdness of Spider-Man in his comics, isn't he? Spider-Man, the, the, cape, is... the cape is well in Spawn. It's a bit okay. cape, but taken right. to extreme lengths. I get you. Um, another one I had was Dave Gibbons. Yes. I think I totally. think there is something there, and I know Dave the was Grinch. certainly a fan of his pre pre Spidey stuff. Yeah. Yes, Alan uh, Moore as well. You'd say because of uh, they specifically were looking at Dicko's nine panel grid. Okay. Um, and then, so then by, you know, Tom King obviously. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed he's kind of an Alan Moore, um, seriously riffing on that nine panel grid again. Yeah. I mean, Dicko yeah. didn't invent that, and and I think it's a bit unfair because, so, so, there's a page actually picked out. In issue twenty six, I'll describe it. Can I? Um, it's page three, and it's this. When you're talking about action, again, the other thing about Dick was his page design and his panel composition is quite incredible. Right. Because you think about when this comic was produced and how comics were produced then. So on that page, it's it's uh, page three, the first panel. It's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven panel uh, page. Top tier, because it doesn't three tiers normally. Top tier's two panels. What page is this, sorry, mate? This is page three in issue 26. Okay, yeah. Um, so you've got the first panel. Um, the end of the, the end of a three-panel scene, which sets up the whole plot about Crime Master and Green Goblin. Crime Master's walking away looking incredibly sinister and incredibly intimidating and noirish. And then it moves into him... Um, confronting some criminals because he's taken yeah. over the underworld. I'm going to say slightly <laughs> unconvincingly taking over the criminal yeah, underworld. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know they don't seem the most competent or threatening. Yeah. Look at that. Look at the panel, the the uh, panel five, which is the exact middle of the page. Yeah, yeah. That's the centre point of the page because that's the key action. Yeah. Because, but not just not just for um, the action, the page. That's the key action. That's the point where Crime Master's taken over the underworld. He's just about to throw, you know, the bomb, but it turns out it's a message through the window. Yeah. It's genius. That yeah. page design is incredible. And the thing, the thing I often wonder about is, I don't know if you do this or Adam um, or, or or Dave or Cliff do this when when they've worked in comics with you is, when you do something, you write something, you draw something, and then someone says to you, "I really like the way you did that." Uh, those layouts, that page design of the dialogue there and the hidden meaning, and you're like, I've no fucking idea what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go it with it. Go with it. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. much is this is, is conscious decisions from Ditko? Yeah. And how much of this is, is something in Ditko? And I think when you get to Doctor Strange and Shade, that's when you're really Oh like, my god, yeah. yeah. I actually I actually think Shade is a science fiction version of Doctor Strange. I think there's, there's I, no, I, I, yeah. I totally I picked yeah. up on the same thing. Yeah, it's, cool. Um the other one I wanted to add through to the people who are influenced by him is one slightly left field, is Klaus. Mm-hmm. I think Daniel Klaus if you look at some of the figure drawing he does, and 
a lot of the covers that he uses yeah, with those definitely. sort of floating circles on the left that's a that's a direct reference to some of Ditko's 70s covers aye. Yeah. Particularly, aye, the shade yeah. you notice that, i think shade one yeah it's, it's got circles those... down the left and then issue yeah. two it's squares down the left aye, yes yeah, that's right yeah, yeah you're yeah. totally right that's a that's a good shout um Ch- charles burns more kind of um wally woods kind of style inking with some yeah. milk kind of will eisner figures but there's still ditko in there as well i think the thing is it gets difficult i mean marcos martin christ yeah like, and that's ron true Fred, good. Ron well, i've got ron friends as well this. man great great shout and also salby seema i think there's there's an element yes. there i think the it's, it's easy for us to just quote these all these artists but the, you know because he was so influential and he was he, i mean he'd been working with the, the joke is everyone thinks oh he you know he, he only worked with stan for a couple of years and he sacked him off they've been working for years together before that Aye. you know Aye. um Aye. so he had been he, about he, for years at that company you know he was he was 35 when he was involved in co-creating spider-man and he'd been working since the early 1950s right. um 52 53 so this this is a very experienced guy, and and churning it out. I mean, the number of pages it's hundreds of pages a year. Yeah, yeah, an incredible volume of work. Yeah, we should give a shout out to. We've mentioned Zach Cruz a few times. His book is Mysterious Traveller, um, which is a Dicko right. book, which is very good. Um, we'll we'll run through some of the stuff we've read at the end of this because I think it's certainly been interesting to a couple of people. Um, Definitely. The other Definitely. thing that I haven't managed to sit through, although I did make you aware of, is there's a play called Ditko by Lenny Schwartz <laughs> and I could not sit through it man I can't hate stage plays at the best of times so it always lets pretend to me but to watch one on a YouTube video didn't quite gel with me but I hear good right. things about it you know right okay yeah, so you... wait, 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 is it is it can I... there's another one actually as well where oh god who talked about it there's a is it Mark Ditko from... he spoke about a couple of them no 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 no. there's a oh god it's, it's one of the authors Ditko They've returned even um, the subscription to him and Robin Schneider's comics to him because he wrote a bit of historical fiction about Steve Ditko's relationship with with Wally Wood, a right. comic book artist. I've not read it. I can't remember the name of the issue, um, but I so I don't know what's in this. I don't know what he suggested about the relationship between Wally Wood <laughs> and, and Steve Ditko, but certainly that's something, again, and this is, I guess, something you're going to come up with <laughs> when we talk about who, who he worked with in, in Shade. He had yeah. strange collaborators because Wally Wood, um, when you look at Wally Wood's life and you look yeah. at Ditko's life, you'd think they, they, they're polar opposites. Apparently they were friends gone really well because Ditko was in at wit's end from the start. Yeah. And, and and Wally Wood, by some accounts, is the person that talked Ditko into quitting Spider-Man and then okay. Ditko tried to convince Kirby. So um, there's, there's a... Um, yeah, aye, a... So, I mean, because Wood quit Daredevil because... There's a wood episode we've got to do one day, man. I've got a right. couple of books on oh, wood that I'm just I need to I need to read. But yeah, exactly. you're right though. I mean, for those who don't know, Wood was something of a wild man, wasn't he? He was like the Ollie Reed of comic creators in a way. You need to yeah. listen to a Chaykin interview when he talks about Wally Wood. He was uh, <laughs> he was an alcoholic. He, he suffered from migraines for like about thirty years of his life, continuous migraines. Right. Okay. Um, and and ended up blowing his brains out. Yeah. Um. He just did a. I mean, he seems like an odd mix of. Steranko, Al Williamson, Steve Ditko, Bill Everett, all mixed into one person. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a mind-blowingly great comic artist. Mate, Bill Everett's not talked about enough either. He's, oh uh, God, he's beautiful line. Yeah, amazing. That's uh, for the um, the Submariner stuff. I loved it, man, so much. Oh, yeah. Fuck. And we, and it's almost. Do you know who reminds me, of Bill Everett? Frank Hampson. Is there like okay. like that in terms of that the elongated faces? Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The beautiful yeah. figure work. Yeah, um, very ahead of the time. Aye? Yeah. Now, 
Um, this is the big question, I suppose. The elephant in the room is, is Ditko's work influenced overly too much or not enough by his opinions, his philosophical opinions? So did you want to just mention for those that don't know what his sort of <laughs> Randian objectionism, yeah, feelings um, were? He was a fan of Aristotle and Ayn Rand, wasn't he? There was there were the sort of two leading lights, allegedly. If we believe the cliche of the stories, they were the, the two people he... I think there are elements of truth in it, aren't there? You know, I really want to. I've not read *Mysterious Travel*. I want to really read that because. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of, I so by by a lot of accounts, um, his work when he was working in *Spider-Man*, um, and there's famously the. God, I'm trying to remember what issue it is. I think it is, is it issue, thirty-seven. Okay. With a looter, with a looter, right. and when it's explicitly using the language of of Ayn or Ayn Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, uh, yeah, um, Ayn Rand, is it? Is Ayn, Ayn Rand, Ayn. yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, it's... I wonder how much of that could be overstated because if you look at what he was going through at Marvel at a time where he wasn't get he wasn't getting credited for for writings, I mean, he was. Depending on how you view writing, yeah, the, the way that I view it is from issue, um, from issue ten, he was plotting Spider Man on his own, but with it, with a, but working to agreed plot points with Stan Lee, for example, Peter yeah. Parker going to college and certain guest stars, um, but he was plotting it, and Stan Lee, he would take in scripts, and Stan Lee would um, work plot. Polish the dialogue based on um, the this the script. Yeah, and, uh, and this singular the voice that Stan wanted across the top. Stan Lee was yeah. editing yeah. it. I yeah. editing it for that for that house style. There wasn't a house style. Well, there was a house style in art with Kirby, but there's a house style in scripts, and and that's what you know. That's what Roy Thomas adapted to when he came in, and Jerry Conway to a less extent adapted to, and Len Wein. Um, but that's what Stan Lee was doing. He was he was a he was an editor. Uh, now yeah. some people disagree with that, but but that's that's just what that is. I mean, as I understand you know, it, their relationship, let's call it degraded for want of a better word. When it's, it, yeah, it started off with Stan would act out stories for some of his artists. He would literally, allegedly, he would get on the table, and slowly this declined, and it would almost be a one-line thing that he would chat to to ditko about and then eventually even that disappeared it just, just stopped yeah. doing it so the whole thing he was jumping in the desk no i mean yeah. the, the, so the two people that they would mediate through would be saul brodsky as a production manager um and i wonder if when he was doing that he was also saying to him about you know say for example color notes for stan goldberg can you make sure that this character's colored this or this because yeah. he was producing working there's a famous moment where he, he had to ask him is is do are we still sending him to college yeah. you know something like that wasn't it yeah. or is he finishing yeah. college or something yeah yeah well, well the other one was he used to ask Flo Steinberg. Yes, that's the other one I but heard. There's, yeah. so there, was, there was one I was reading in... Hold on, what's the issue? I need to get it. Um, so there's a special issue of Alter Ego about Steve Ditko, number 160, which I'd recommend okay. to anyone because because it's incredible. In that, I found out Steve Ditko asked out with Flo Steinberg. Yes. Yeah, I remember Now, I this. wonder, yeah. and this is this is when he, why he left Spider-Man was, you basically are pissed off because... You're not getting credit for co-creating the character. You're not getting credit for writing the character. You're not getting your name second. You know, yeah. your co-creator is taking the credit in the press. Is getting paid for writing the character, like you know, getting paid. You know, for doing script polishes. Um, won't even speak to you. 
And then you've got to go in and speak to the woman that you asked out and she said no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the same time... She's dead to me. Yeah, hi, yeah. At the same time, you've got the, the guy that's taken some of your money for writing it and he's taking the piss out in the comic by calling you Sturdy Steve or, Mysterio, or Steve refused to take part yeah, in this Yeah, and there's this famous stuff. strip in the, that he made him draw in the first <laughs> annual, wasn't he? Which has got him asleep at his desk. You know. but, but then again, if you look at how they were producing plots and stuff, if they were doing the plots in the same way, then Ditko would have plotted that and Stan Lee would have done the script over the top of it. Yeah. So Ditko was possibly, if you think, look at it that way, it's Ditko satirising his relationship with Stan Lee. But I have no idea because yeah. I you don't know who did what. It... Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a Stan hater. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, Stan, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you are, man. I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there who just spend their lives, you know, spitting about Stan. I think he was, He. I don't, I think in in balance, he was a, he was a power of good in comics because, you know, you know, he was that, you know, the huckster, the, you know, the, the voice of it, the face of it, you know. But there was there was this really strange relationship that they had. Even in a way, it parallels what happened with Jack. But Jack was a much more straightforward guy and it seemed to just knuckle down and get on with the drawing. Well, so I can Steve, see Steve Ditko being much more of an argumentative kind of guy. You does, know. Does, does a, so I read something by Gary Groth, and right. I can't remember if it's in... Stanley's obituary, and but he was talking about how I think it's after he died. It's in the comics journal. Oh, I read the obituary um, today. Yeah, I, yeah. So, so Groth, it's a bit where he says, "So this is Groth and Ditko and Lee compared to the the careers of Lee's two most prominent visual collaborators, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. He was virtually a creative non-entity. Naturally, he became richer and more famous than either of them. Whereas they merely had their talent and their genius, he had something far more valuable." an affable and smarmy persona that gave the American public what it always prefers, decades of vacuous pronouncements and a smattering of entertainment devoid of content and substance. I'm not saying I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> it seems a little bit harsh. Bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, 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 but I don't know if it... I'll be honest, just... It's very difficult to say without being there yeah. if it's too harsh or it's not harsh I'm, enough. I'm prone to uh, feel it's... a little more sorry for Ditko because he was a... Uh... Because he jumped about so much, and it, it, whilst we we all know that Kirby came back to Marvel after leaving and doing the New Gods, he then returned and did you know Devil Dinosaur and Eternals and stuff like that. We know we know about that event. You know, it's it was a real, it was almost heralded, wasn't it? Certainly, the move to DC was you know we've got Jack now. You know, but when when sorry to interrupt, but when when Ditko returns to to Marvel, he he comes back and does. A filling issue on Rom and a filling issue on Remo the Unarmed and Dangerous and I, I was going to say the same thing. It's, right. it's, it's it's even worse than that. It's, he's he's doing fucking Gobots yeah. coloring books. Yeah. He's doing Transformers coloring books. But but and, and that's that's written off. And I don't know how much of this is a I'm just going to call it a corporate myth that yeah. it's because he refused to do Doctor Strange and he refused to do Spider Man. Yeah. Now, now one of the things I've seen Dick Cole say was. His comics never sold. It was a myth that his comics sold gangbusters. Apart from Spider-Man, his stuff never sold, which isn't entirely true if you actually look at sales figures for Shade. Okay. Apparently Shade was the third biggest DC seller. Oh, right. With regards okay. to direct market sales, it was like 16,000, which is 16,000 of profit because it's not sale of return. Right. Um, and, and the only reason it got cancelled was because of the DC implosion. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, but Ditko, you know, was saying my stuff doesn't sell. Imagine... If you've gone through all of that and you're set up for this big return to call, to draw in Spider-Man and it flops and folk hate it, why would you do that? Why would you go back yeah. again? Yeah, people would be going, you know, 
this isn't Ross Andrew, this isn't Gil Kane, you know, even it's this not isn't John it's not John Romita. That's, that's the problem, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to go quickly back to our question there about is is are his beliefs, ex- <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's right, extrapolated through his his comics. I think there's degrees of it. I think um, certainly the um, do something about it, do or do not element is certainly in one of the issues of the Spider-Man you talked about there because un- almost uncharacteristically, Peter Parker throws himself into a fight with four blokes. You know, yes. and it's almost there's this famous story that I've heard Mark Ditko relate a couple of times where he's sitting at a dinner table and he was a bit of a hippie and he was moaning about, you know, oh, you know, the government are doing this and the government are doing that and everything's wrong and, you know, everyone's a liar. And he and Kerb and Ditko t- turned to him and said, well, do something about it then, you know, and it's almost like that's the visual representation of this with, you know, Peter Parker's sort of. Well, I'm going to do something about it, and he does regret it. But it's almost like a, um, a, you know, it was almost like Ditko had enough here to me. You know, there's there's a mystery moment, um, and it's something I've never picked up on before until okay. I read it for the show. There's a mystery moment in issue 27 of Spider-Man. It's in page three. Oh, right. It's a bit where so Spider-Man's chained up. Yeah. Um, and he's he's at the mercy of because the Green Goblin's defeated him in battle. And he's brought him along to yeah, this, to show him gang, off, isn't he? Uh, this yeah. gang conference that Crime Master's called. He's tried to unmask Spider-Man, but he can't because Spider-Man is... He's had to superglue his mask on or something, isn't he? He's had to superglue his mask on because his Aunt May found his Spider-Man costume, threw it out, and he's bought an off-the-rack Spider-Man costume from a costume shop, which has shrunk because he fell in the water. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he's... Uh, no, that, I tell you, that happens later. So he's, because the mask keeps popping off because the elastic's not strong enough. So he's all chained up. And there's this scene in, uh, sorry, a panel in page three where he knocks over the Green Goblin and, and a couple of uh, crooks to get out of the way. Yeah. And then he jumps out of the way where Green Goblin is trying to blast him and um, Crime Master is trying to shoot him with a gun. Um, yeah. And the, the dialogue says, now the panel just shows him leaping out of the way um, and the, the, the finger blasters from Green Goblin are going above Crime Master and Crime Master's going just going to the side of Green Goblin. And Green Goblin says, you can't escape now. All you're doing is delaying the final. Look out, you clumsy bungler. Watch what you're doing. Your shot almost hit me. And Spider-Man's uh, thought bubble says, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah. Now, who wrote the dialogue? Because that could be interpreted by someone who's looking for a, the objectivism in comics of, you know, criminals should pay, all that kind of stuff, as Spider-Man espousing objectivist principles there. But if it's Stan Lee that's written that, um, it means something else entirely. So the, the problem with, with the problem with to answer your question, the problem with the problem with objectivism is people go looking for it. Yeah, and it's that's interpretation, it's no isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you listen to folk talking about, um, I can't remember if it's Zach Cruz or that guy that wrote Dick Who Shrugged. He's talking about Hawk and Dove. He's saying about how they're presenting two different sides of an argument. Yeah. And the father was meant to be the main character, who's a judge who says, look, you need to take a balanced view, but you need to do something about it. So go back to your story about Mark Ditko, exactly yeah. that. Look, you decide what's right and wrong, but you need to act on it. Yeah. Hawk and Dove is another one, isn't it, where, I mean, it's easy to it's easy to walk yourself into objectivism and, you know, Aristotelian f- philosophy and yeah. and his sort of politics when you read stuff like Mr. A, which I actually, I actually find really powerful. But the yeah. it's when you get to Hawk and Dove and you go, oh, Okay, so we've got the Vietnam War going on at the same time, and we've got you know mm-hmm. peace and violence in a team of two heroes. And I know he wasn't on it for long, and it's perhaps often not his best art in it. But there, there really is that element to it, isn't there? There's, 
it's, it's I, so uh, interesting. I, I just I just find it fascinating. And Hawk and Dove are, I mean, they've they've kind of continued after that shaky, you know, that start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean that that's the thing about his characters. I mean, there's so much longevity in all his characters. I mean, the yeah. one the one that we didn't yeah. mention earlier on was one that he didn't create, but he recreated, which was Blue Beetle. Who I yes, fucking yeah. love. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. There's um, I've got um, that Treasury, the Action Heroes Treasury, oh. and it's so lovely, man. It's so great. And yeah. um, did he return? Did he do any of the Blue Beetle when it came back in the eighties? Uh, it was Paris Collins. Who's he... influenced by Steve Ditko? Yeah, there's a lot of that, did. especially with the mad. Is it the Mad Men that he uses? What those, they're so <laughs> right. Ditko-esque, aren't they? And they look so right. good with Collins. I've kind of, I was maybe I'm mistaking. I thought he'd done a cover, but you, you're probably right. I don't think he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, just incredible stuff, man. But the 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 philosophy is it? I mean, it's the philosophy, the objectivism, Randian thing is mm-hmm. mostly. If, if for anyone who's seen the um, in search of Steve Ditko documentary, it's kind of did they allow Alan Moore to describe it, don't they? So Alan Alan Moore had visited Steve Ditko and had a, and an interesting chat. And mind you, man, I would love to have been a fly on the wall for that conversation. You know, if there ever was a brilliant conversation, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And as he leaves, he sort of calls. He calls him back and he takes a, a slither of paper and he he colors part of it black and part of it white and says it's nothing there's no gray areas either it's black or white you know? yeah there's he... the famous story about um frank miller um contacted steve ditko right. and said i think it was when frank miller it was either just finishing off i think he was finishing off sin city road and said like height of frank miller popularity and said look why don't you write uh, mr a and i'll draw it and it'll be amazing it'll be absolutely amazing we'll we'll you know, it'll be a smash. You'll we'll both yeah. make millions off this um, <laughs> because because you you see that mystery philosophy in a lot of Frank Miller's work. Um, whether it's objectivism or not, I, I don't know. Um, but allegedly, he said, "I'll be great," and we'll use. Um, I think he said, "Well, you know, we'll do it in the water. So we'll use a wash." And he said, "No, no grays in it," and that's why I refused to do it. I don't believe that. I don't <laughs> yeah, believe that story. So. But he used because washes in the, in the Warren stuff, didn't he? As well, he and in Mister Eight. You've got the what's saying book there. Yeah. So this is from memory. It's either dual dual tone or a wash he uses in the Mister Eight strips. Yeah, it's either the first one or the second one. There are grey tones in it. Yeah, yeah, of course there are. Yeah, and, it, it, and it's kind of counterpointed by the fact that that's the one where Mr. A Aye. says, yeah, there is grey, but that's because it's a mixture of black and white. There's only black and white. You know, it's all this, this sort of strange sort of yeah. Yeah, quote he gives. But yeah, um, yeah, I love yeah. I love the Mr. A stuff. And did you did you ever get any of the, the later um, Rob Snyder oh. stuff? Yeah, there's, there's definitely... No, uh, I, well, that's another thing about Ditko, if... Like seeing that his impact and stuff was the guy was a pioneer with regards to self-publishing alongside Wally Wood because yeah. he was obviously involved in Wits End but yeah continue I mean Steve Dicko was doing stuff with Kickstarter yeah yeah I, I, I backed quite a few in of his, them in his 90s yeah. or 80s yeah yeah um, so, so you got the, what, what are they like they're, they're, they're um, bad bad <laughs> reprints <laughs> along with essays and single oh, page right, okay. panels of Jesus smashing something or you know this sort of thing you know I mean, um, that, I mean that's out, that's outlaw comics I don't know it really is man yeah it is so uh, Snyder, Rob Snyder and um, and Ditko had corroborated for, corroborated for decades they'd been uh, I yeah. think Snyder had edited him on a couple of books yep, previously I think he was uh, Snyder was at Renegade Press I think when he worked there I think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what he did at Renegade. Oh, he did Revolver, didn't he, when he was there? Um, and they, I think they're, they're up to like easy high double figures in relation to it the comics called, they're putting out. It's called Ditko Packages or something like that. Something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. It's off the top of my head. So, it's, uh, so, so, when you talk about his art, 
or his style changing. Um, mm. If you look at his later stuff, his use of stippling. So that's so for anyone like so what is that? who doesn't yeah. know what that is, that's that's when you put loads of wee dots okay. down in the page, and you you don't have a holding line, so you use this you use yes. the, the dots yeah, to shape the thing. Aye. So so a lot of his stuff. And there's a one he did where it's like a figure. Instead of stippling, it's a figure with no holding line made up of musical notes. And you're just like, who does stuff <laughs> yeah, like that? No. So, so yeah. even though he maybe couldn't, either because his eyesight or his hand-eye coordination or arthritis, or I don't know, because he's in his fucking 80s. There's some bizarre stuff in there, man. There's like a, ah, what looks like a, a melting cloud, and in the middle of it is the word <laughs> justice, or something like that. You know, there's a lot of that sort of thing going on. But I used to buy I them at um, I used to buy them at Jim Hanley's. Whenever I went to New York, I would leg it to Jim Hanley's. And in my head, I'm guessing it's because... Ditko's office was in the same road, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I used to drop them off and used to be able to get them there. And then I ended up getting quite a few. There was some Gorgo issues and stuff like yes. that as well. You know, really old, really old stuff. Mysterious Traveller. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I made a list here, actually, the thought of, of companies that Ditko <laughs> worked at. So Marvel, DC, Atlas Seaboard, Charlton, Warren, Valiant. Mm-hmm. He did a, solar, a couple of solar issues. Tops. Dark Dominion. Uh, yes, he did that as well, didn't he? Dark Dominion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Valiant, yeah. With um, with Shooter. Um, that's a strange mix, isn't it? Too many we shouldn't get on. Yeah, and it, yeah. Was, it was trading cards. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Tops, <coughs> Pacific. He did Pacific Presents, Pacific Comics. Uh, first Comics, he did some Warp. JC mm-hmm. Comics, he did some Thunder Agents. Star Reach, he did Imagine 4. Eclipse, he was in Eclipse Monthly 2, Static. Um, Renegade Press, he did Revolver. Archie in Red Circle, he obviously did some Fly. Dell Comics, he did Get Smart. So there's, like... That's a wealth of. I mean, he had a he had a career and a half, didn't he? But we we forget how apps. You know, he has done so many comics. You know, there's so much out there. Everything from horror, science fiction, superheroes, fantasy. You know, everything's there, isn't it? You know. Yeah, it's it's, it's horror stuff. Um, the Warren stuff um, is oh, bloody hell. I mean, because that's what he, the wash stuff and. I think there's yeah. a bit in the Blake Bell book when he uses that example when people say Ditko didn't draw attractive women and he uses the example. I mean, that's I used to think <laughs> that as well yeah. when I was a kid and that was my response of John Romita draws better looking women. But now as a grown man going back in and seeing it, it's like, it's not. It's because his point of reference is Mae West or um, Rita Hayworth, you know, the yeah. arched eyebrows, yeah, the, yeah. the massive breasts, the big hips. That's that's what it is, and it's and it's and that goes, aye, and, and and that kind of influence and that that yeah. Eastern influence, oh, it's, yeah, the, know, it's, uh, it's the, the small waists and all that sort of thing, yeah, yeah. Ramita, Ramita was Ramita was very much that kind of romance comics, Toth, Vin, <laughs> interesting enough, a Vinnie Coletta influence in John Ramita as well, which people forget. Okay, um, yeah. Stan Goldberg influence as well, um, because I think he was an Archie artist for a long time as well. So right, okay. You know, um, yeah, aye, yeah. there's a there's, he he didn't follow he followed a different template for for drawing. I know this because I reverse engineer <laughs> some yeah, people for yeah, drawing yeah. women. Me, yeah. Alan Davis, with a with a little bit of John Romita, but you can reverse engineer Kniff, You can reverse engineer um, Alex Raymond. It's just different yeah. shapes, yeah, different you. proportions. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, it's um, it's great, and and I actually think that we are there is an area of comics currently rediscovering him, and I think um. If you yeah. if you wanted to draw the you know the the spies the the spokes of the wheel heading out, I actually think it's from Kayfabe because I think um, cartoonist yeah. Kayfabe with Ed Pisker and Jim Rugg and Tom Scioli um, on a lot of the episodes they've um, they have featured uh, Ditko stuff 
And I'm, I saw recently they did one on, um, it was a book, you know, uh, featuring covers and, you know, art by him. And yeah. um, there's that famous, um, I can't remember the name of the comic now, but it's the one with the geezer in the electric chair. You know, the one yes. in the foreground. Oh, um, God. And that's, I've seen that twice in underground comics in the last year. The eyes, yeah. that is the, I, the, yeah. the close-up and eyes. It's as almost well, like it looks sweat. like a zombie, doesn't it? Almost, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the eye. So, aye, and if you think about the famous um, Sin City image, which they made into a toy, which was banned, uh, Marvin Electric Chair. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where he's <laughs> it is. from. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, the other thing I think there's a couple of other things I thought we might mention, and we're, we're going to quickly talk about Shade as we haven't really spoke about him yet. But the um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, uh, um, he. Um, he, his Batman, he did a Man Bat issue, um, which yes. there's another cartoon in Kayfabe you can watch actually, and it's quite an interesting one because he only draws the flesh on Batman's face in one panel, and the rest he just draws in shadow for the whole time. I, I, yeah. I luckily bought that comic before they talked about oh, it. Oh right, okay. Um, yeah. So I and it's it's interesting because if you they didn't mention this, but when I, so one of the other guys I study quite a lot is Matt Kelly. Right. Um, if you look at Batman Year One. <laughs> Look at that man bat issue next to it. Matt Kelly pulls a lot of dick. Oh, okay. And because because again, you get the shadow in the face. Yeah. Norm Brayfogel did that a hell of yeah, a lot I as get well. You, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Dicko, Dicko, Dicko from that one issue had a huge stamp on <laughs> yeah. Batman. It's incredible, isn't it? So the, another Randian principle is man is a heroic being, and I think that's, yes, oh you know, yes, we can see yes. that, can't we? Yeah. Um, reason is the only absolute, and good plus evil equals nothing. You know the. I- yeah, it's, it's interesting. The other one I wanted, to, a couple of other ones I wanted to mention was the Superman. I I, I saw he did a Superman. Um, he, he didn't do an extensive run on Superman, but he did, and that it's it just I just find it strangely off-putting. Not it's not wrong in any way. It just I don't know. It's just very Ditko esque. It's just See, str- that's that's the funny thing. I've not seen that. What is a face? Is it a Kurt Swan face or is it a Ditko face? No, it's a Ditko face. I'm, I made a note of where I saw it. I saw it uh, yesterday. I'll, find, I'll dig it out and let you know. But it's okay. it's almost like a strangely elongated body. Um, he obviously mm-hmm. also did um, uh, Legion of Superheroes, which he did it just. Uh, I think it was Legion of Superheroes. Was it Superboy and Legion at that point? I can't remember. But the mm-hmm. um, his, which is like the back then certainly was just you know an extension of Kurt Swan characters mm. with different costumes on in a way you know just different yeah. colored hair and stuff and uh that's a strange one i was reading uh legion at the time and i remember as i used to as a kid i, I was reading something like rom you know and i would get to it it'd be oh it's a kirby issue and you just in my head i was a kid i just thought oh it's a kirby filling issue they couldn't get the eyes to do it. it's a kirby uh, sorry ditko's doing it so ditko's yeah. doing this sort of filling issue and um i was like oh okay my work fair enough he's quite readable i read it you know it wasn't my favorite but i found him very readable and you know, it was just... Right. Well, when he did... Um, was it Micronauts? He did a couple of issues of Micronauts as well. It's just... I don't know. It's just... Did, I kind um, of accepted it, you know. He did a couple of fill-ins in Daredevil right after... Yes, he Born did right again. after Born Again. He did with that and weird the, clownish character, didn't he? Yeah. Madcap. That's I it. I love Madcap. Yeah. It's one of my favourite characters. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> it's because I really like Paul Neary's stuff in Captain America when he first appeared, but then Ditko drew him, yeah. I think. And if I mean it's it's, it's the keeper basically <laughs> in a different right. costume. I get you. Yeah. So, something yeah. you said there really resonated with me because well a few things. When you're saying about the Ditko and Superman, because a sticking point well, it's not a sticking point, but it's Kirby famously um Kurt Swan redrew Kirby's Superman faces. So it was right. on yep. Middle. Um and if you look at Marvel, John Bashema, Jim Steranko, Sal Bashema. Don Heck were all famously told to draw like Kirby. Now, apparently, the only person that was t- not told to draw like Kirby was Ditko. 
Right, okay, uh, yeah. And there's only one, there's two instances, sorry, um, where I've seen, and I, when I've been looking at a question, thought that's been redrawn. Um, apart from famously the, the 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 titles in Amazing Fantasy fifteen inside, um, which which I can't remember, it's in the Smithsonian Museum. They peel it back, okay, with a knife, and underneath you can see Ditko's original letters, which are stunning and better than what they, they did. Right, but it's um, it's you that told me about this. It's an issue of Iron Man that Ditko filled in with in the Denny Neal run, where Iron Man is drunk, and that first page was drawn by Marie Severin, and it's because um, Steve Ditko refused. To draw him hammered. Oh right, is that? I remember you sending me that page. That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And it's because I said, "Who, who drew that?" And you, and you called it. You're like, "That looks like Marie Seven, and it was. Right. Um, but she wasn't credited then in that. Uh, no, no. Right. Okay. Um, and it's because of exactly what you said about objectivism, the heroic ideal. Yeah. I and get, yeah. The, the get out clause for characters like Hawk and Dove and Spider Man and Speedball was they weren't adults. They, they, okay. They, they hadn't grown up yet. Yeah. They, they weren't. They, they weren't the rational man yet. Um, so that that that's kind of interesting. That's why there's another one as as well there. But, but anyway, we've not even talked about shade yet. Okay, let's do let's do a quick five minutes on shade because I knew we'd overrun. But the so shade the changing man issue one is the one that I I sort of had a look at. To be fair, I was more interested in shade than I was in the what goes on in this issue because it gets fucking complicated and I, you know. But <laughs> it, it was uh, created um, by Steve for DC Comics as a standalone series in 1977. Um, mm-hmm kind of the last thing one of the last things he created as a sort of standalone character um it it was actually advertised on the run-up and not in the same way as we've got kirby back but more in the way that um who is this you know yeah yeah there's an advert in the issue which is weird that's right yeah yeah um weirdly i actually think they meant what is this because I don't think DC could quite cope with what he was doing. Because I remember, I didn't get bought issue one. I got bought a later issue as a kid. I've since been back and bought issue one. But I remember thinking, what the fuck is this? It's mental. Yeah. It's, um, it's bananas. Yeah. It's abs- but also, it doesn't really neatly fit within the kind of ob- objectivism principles that people, you know, ascribe to him because yeah. he's a criminal. Yeah, he's, he's a, a he's a traitor, criminal, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, it's like, hang on a second, what? This isn't this isn't straight. Uh, this isn't a straight black or white thing. This is shades of grey. Yeah. So um, don't, so everyone, please forget the uh, the uh, the Vertigo version and the later Young Animal version, which is even worse. But this yeah. to me is is the is the peak of what this character should have been. He's Rack Shade. That's the name. He's um. He's, <laughs> <laughs> his powers is he'd stole rack he's he'd stolen an m vest from his home yes. planet in the meta zone now that's another thing that ditko did always he did loads of diamond dimensional travel didn't he all the way yeah. all the way across the board the board from what he did um he'd been framed and escaped to earth um with his m vest which is the morocco Mar- vest um mm-hmm. it was a, a return to ditko to making his own series um and he'd um he Actually had a so he created everything, wrote the story, but Michael uh, Michael Fleischer assisted Ditko by scripting the series. Um, so adding basically adding the words, it was like you say, it was bi monthly, only ran eight issues, but there was a ninth issue that was um, that appeared in Cancelled Comics Cavalcade as a black and white, and then again it's in the Steve Ditko omnibus, which you can find. I know you bought yeah. that omnibus, didn't you? It's, uh... No, I, I, I borrowed it and I bought right. the original issues of, of Shade, so I've oh, actually nice. got a, a completed Marana Shade. Oh, nice work, man! Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. not got all the issues yet, but just because it's yeah. fascinating. It's yeah, it really is. It's fascinating. It's right? very densely packed. The story's like 
really dense you know there's loads to it on every page even more so than those spider-man issues i think and that's that's got a lot going on in each why? Page. Why? but fleischer is a really interesting character isn't he he's um you draw my you drew my <laughs> attention to this yeah yeah did you want to say um the thing i was gonna i was gonna just so the most famous thing well, it's unfair to call the most famous thing yeah he notorious, famously sued yeah. fantagraphics gary groth and harlan ellison because harlan ellison was interviewed in the comics journal where he described fleischer as a jet these are his words not mine yeah a genuine twisted mentality fascinating and probably the only one writing is interesting among the other words ellison employed were yeah. certifiable derangeo bugfuck and lunatic yeah, now this um, was mostly around his novel, wasn't it? Which was called Chasing, Chasing Harry, Harry, which oh, I've yeah. ordered. I intend to read. Um, it's only it was only eleven pound eighty three on uh, uh, on uh, eBay, but it's a sort of it's before we had culture wars. This is like a serious men women thing, isn't it? I think the the image on the front is you know the the female icon being uh, burnt. Does a lot of, yeah, yeah, does, yeah. Does, does does I mean, see, famously he did a run on the Spectre. And yeah. uh, Jonah Hex and the Spectre run was, was, was that with the Paro, to... wasn't it? Is that the stuff he did with the Paro? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Paro, but it was like yeah. really, really brutal, like deaths and stuff. But he said, "Look, this is nothing that that wasn't done in the classic Spectre stories." Yeah. But Dicko did a fill-in Inspector. I don't. I think that was with Fleischer. So if you look at that kind of, you know, like Mister A style. Mystery doesn't kill Angel and and, and Mystery One. He just lets them die. Yeah, he, he, does, he saves it. her. That's all. Right. It's all rather strangely set up. But he the he allows Angel to to die because his the, his mum wasn't ill, was ill or something, or been shot or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but he's also saying, look, he's he's killed people. He's going to kill people again. We've got a choice here: is I can either save you now because you're going to die unless I get to hospital, yeah. or I can save him. I can't do both. But the way that's been presented over the years is something different. But, but think about the number of comics where the Punisher murders people, yeah. where Wolverine guts people, but no one's no one's going into the... The philosophy the of the writer. The philosophy yeah. of Jim Lee or Chris Claremont. And it's just like, yeah. it's just because, again, people are layering in their interpretation of a mythic character. That's what I don't like. Story. That's what I know we talked about this before we started, but that's what I don't like. I think people lean far too heavily into this fucking cliché that, yes. Oh yeah, oh Steve Ditko. Oh, he was uh, he was into this and that, and he's a nutter, isn't he? And he's not. He's not. You know, at he's all. not at all. He's a very, very, very clever man. Yeah, who's exactly. Exploring different philosophies in his comics. I mean, he was published in. Um, oh God. So what? Mystery didn't just appear in Wits End. It appeared in. Um, what's it called? Reason, which was like an. Oh, liberal that's right. Yeah, like an underground magazine. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's appearing in liberal magazines at the same time. You're like, yeah. obviously, you know. I think the people who think. Ditko had a, a right wing element, or not even right wing, but you know what I mean. Had a, yeah. a reactionary sort of right wing element to his politics. Uh, don't fucking look at the whole man. He wasn't. He was a. He was actually liberal in the old school way of saying, you know, a liberal. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know enough about him. And that's that's yeah. the thing. Is I mean, you've got you've got his more recent comics. I've not read. I mean, how do you know? I mean, the guy's written. <laughs> was it the, was it was it Cruzy said that this is a man that's arguably and quite literally written. More letters than Hemingway, yeah. than than Mark Twain, and you know, and I've seen the photograph of the the correspondence yeah. um, that they had to push. But I mean, it is it is true. Like about the, this is this is a guy that took the time to personally answer letters, thousands of letters a year from people. Yeah, um, and it wasn't someone else sending back a typewritten letter with a fake signature on it, 
or it no, wasn't famously he would reply to people him. of all ages allegedly the only thing he wouldn't really he wasn't really interested in why did you leave spider-man which was a regular thing which, 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 I think it's because he'd answered the question so many times yeah. in the 60s, where, where he actually did it on the phone, which is an alter ego thing. It was, he, oh, okay. he just said it's because I was promised royalties and they didn't pay it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Why would you? Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it, when you think Spider-Man now, like, you know, multi-billion yeah. industry. If, um, if you look at, from a narrative point of view, if you look at just when he left, Harry Osborne's just been introduced. Norman Osborne's just been in, well. Norman Osborne's introduced in twenty six and twenty seven, but he's not named. But it's him because of the funky hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if anyone ever wrote to me and said, "What the fuck is up with Norman and Harry Osborne's hair?" Yeah, I know. What, <laughs> I didn't so understand weird. it. Yeah. Is it cornrows? What is it? <laughs> um, horizontal cornrows. I've never seen any hair yeah. like that. But I. But Gwen Stacy. If you look at the original Gwen Stacy, it's a femme fatale. Yeah, she's a fence, and, and like you say, Nolan characters in the scene shouting, she's shouting at Peter, and it's just that character would have been. If you look at, I love Gwen Stacy. That when I think of Spider Man's, you know, is, oh god, I'm so sad. When I ship Spider Man, <laughs> it's Gwen Stacy. You know, that was my first crush. Gwen uh, okay, the job of Gwen Stacy, but she and was I... simpering, and the character was stripped of character after Dick Cole left. And, and I also think that Betty were, Betty Brant. Betty Brant is that her name? I'm fucking blanking. Betty Brant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She um, she, she was a bit milfy. She always looked a bit she, older. She was than older. Him. Yeah, and yeah. She's yeah. fifteen, <laughs> and she's like twenty, and it's his boss's secretary. And again, if you're looking at, if you're looking, you can read too much into these things. The young outsider, shy guy, is going to his boss's office and fancies his secretary. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he makes it with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah. so just a couple of things um, in relation to Shade again. So yes. um, what really is the MVEST? There's got to be something going on there more. You know, yeah. a commentary on... Because oh, there is a real commentary on per visual perceptions. You know, and you could easily read into this as being psilocybin or, you know, psychedelia or something like that. But there is there is a sense of per perception of things beyond our reality and beyond our ability to see, you know. And and because the, 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 he wears this this vest that makes him look disfigured and grotesque at times and but he's kind of our hero now and there's a lot of bit yeah. in there about that isn't there you know yeah yeah it's just one of, one of the things that really fascinates me in this is like what his powers are and yeah. what exactly is happening because he doesn't really know like it's, it's, it's and also why he's in jail for being some kind of political activist but, but it's he's blake seven he's blake but roger blake before roger blake almost you know he's that and that that's what i find interesting about him he's a revolutionary as well isn't he? yeah yeah, yeah yeah because yeah. there's a scene where it's it's page 10 and again he, he's been captured by camera there's a common thread here in these two sorry these three comments we've looked at um where he's been captured and he's been held at knife point by the crooks and they bring in Oh god, are we going to try and explain Kenpo and <laughs> Lieutenant Emperor and all that stuff? No, I don't think so. So it's, a, it's <laughs> another, so it's another kind of refugee from that other dimension, right? And he sees um, Shade strapped to the chair, surrounded by all these crooks at knife point, and he says, "Gasp! No, it can't be him." Shade, how how you're in prison? And he's like, "Shade changing," and he's saying, "No, you don't understand. You're the fool. If Shade wanted to, he could give me that gun. I'll kill him." And he's terrified. And it's like, why is he terrified of him? Because this guy doesn't know he's wearing an M vest. He thinks he's just a guy. So is it his ideas he's scared of? Or is it because right. Shade is this bad? I've only read the first issue, so I've no idea. Yeah. Or is he this badass that can kill like everyone in the room just, you know, by using martial arts or something? It's a weird Why one. is he so scared of him? I don't know. And it's it's I often think that um 
because he was so i know he used to he used to train out to jonestown didn't he in pennsylvania quite a lot but yeah. to see his family but ditko is is a creature of new york and new york is his reality and the dimensions beyond it are his fantastical you know fantasy and i think there's an element of that i think it's, it's a weird one actually because jack c harris was a was a friend of Ditko and, and sort of championed him around this, but initially Shade was refused as a pitch. And and, and I quote: "Comic book fans don't accept, won't accept an alien as a hero." <laughs> that was said by an editor at DC. For fuck's Jesus. sake, you know, uh, without a set, without any sense of irony. But <laughs> but the, he is that outsider though. He's a he's he's a traitor, but he's an outsider. And Ditko must have walked the streets of New York and seen kids with you know spider-man frisbees or something you know or you know yeah. a, you know a spider-man drawn on a billboard or something you know and he must have thought everywhere. yeah oh, everywhere. yeah and this wasn't that far from this was coming out at the same time as we had the spider-man uh, tv series roughly wasn't yeah. it or around yeah yeah. Nic- yeah nicholas Hammage. another yeah. thing would be um the macy's um, oh, of course parade, yeah yeah with a spider-man yeah. balloon his office was at times square and you're going to your work right. and you're coming back for your work you're looking at your window you're seeing a 30 foot spider-man balloon right so you're wondering like if you yeah. take the piss but but this is funny one of the things I was going to ask about this was um, and again I suppose it's a bit like the you know when when said earlier on saying about um, when something's been redrawn um, because one of the things I was going to mention in Spider-Man 26 was the splash page the initial splash page Spider-Man 26 I fucking love that and I wondered when I was reading Shade if that originally had a splash page like that a kind of thematic splash page it looks like a movie one sheet because the first page of Shade does not feel like. Do you know what I mean it feels yeah. like page two feels like it's come from a thematic splash page? Like who okay. is Shade? Or do you know what I mean it, even the art style looks different? Yeah, and yeah, it does, doesn't it? it? Yeah, the, 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 the titles. Yes, it's a weird. Really, they're, they're squeezed in. It's it's, it's yeah. bizarre. It almost looks like panels taken from other pages. I almost so feel I like that's. If... I almost feel that's to his disadvantage uh, during this period of time. Um, Ditko that he, he puts so much on a page I think the patience of the reader, so he tries the patience sometimes of the reader because he puts so much dialogue and you know so much going I, I, on I, 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 You know more DC from this period than me but this is only 17 pages long and I wonder yeah, if this, this is a period moment. where, where um, uh, DC went from 22 pages to 17 so I wonder if he wrote 22 pages I wonder, and yeah. it got yeah, stripped out be. and then they used they cut and pasted literally um, those two panels into a front page because it actually makes less sense than if you start from page two. But but I love the way that you're just you're thrown in. You don't have a clue what the hell's going on. Yeah. And like you said, it's idea after idea. The thing that really interests me here again from an objectivist point of view is he's going from oh god, what's it called? What's the original zone called? Um, it's not called the zone, <laughs> is it? <laughs> the well, meta zone. Meta zone, is it? Goes yeah. From the yeah. meta zone through the zero zone to the earth zone it's not fitting that black and white it's not fitting that dichotomy so again but if you look at the imagery in this when you said there Lauren about it's a science fiction version of Doctor Strange you've got the Sanctum Sanctum you've got Agent Mela is clear I mean, it's, it's yeah. clear from Doctor Strange yeah if you go to the last page he's basically oh. wearing Doctor Strange's clothes yeah yeah, yeah. I mean it's, yeah. it's through that so it's, it's like this kind of it's like a He's con- yeah, I wonder if he is continuing Doctor Strange. What did you think of the design of Shade? Do you think it's Ditko-esque or Kirby-esque? It's a weird one, isn't it? I, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, definitely. Because that sort of circular design on his chest and stuff, we see elsewhere, don't we? We see it in some of his Fantastic Four work for Kirby. I know what you mean. 
It reminds me of Thor as well with the circles. But the other one is the guy, right, I'm not going to ask you to explain who <laughs> Zokag That's a Kirby design. It does look like it, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we laugh, but um, the final the final page, this is the real purpose of the orc of existence. Whenever evidence of metas exists, it's accidentally exposed. You know, I know that, Weezor, but we killed Zokag. And where is Shade? Like, fuck off. Really? I was yeah. honestly looking back through it. I was like, I don't... But see that, that last page, the lighting, yeah. um, particularly in... Um, wait a minute, is that... Yeah, one, two, three, panel four. That is, that is a... Yeah. This, and, this, this makes me remember because my first issue as a kid was issue two and um, <laughs> i've not read it yet yeah. that was the first issue i bought as well accidentally uh, okay um, and and the, the the um the weird you know the form enters earth is is d- directly continued into the next issue and i remember seeing yeah. that as a kid and thinking what the fuck is that but that's, but that's yeah. almost but that's funny you say that because um, the Keeper wasn't introduced in the Keeper number one. It was in, in, introduced in Showcase. Okay. I wonder if there was a Shade issue which was produced for Showcase before this. Yeah. And so issue this issue continues directly on for that. Because issue, you're right, issue two, it's, it's it's almost like it's one great big graphic novel that's been chopped up, possibly yeah. with some yeah. pages being removed to make it 17 pages. Um, it's a strange comic, and I'll be honest, I I don't know if I like it, but I love it. It's, yeah, I just, it's it, it, it evokes it's that. It's, to me, it's just like he was almost in control. He was, you know, he was pumping out Spider Man and Doc Strange, and then he kind of falls on hard times because you know he leaves Marvel and he just goes, "Oh fuck it," and he just does yeah. this mental thing when he gets and and the the uh, what's that Vince Bond quote? Comic should be ridiculous, you know. I think I just I just love the fact that it's just everything at the wall and it's just like multiple <laughs> colors and you know it just it just really is yeah. Have you noticed the thing where he does so the bit when he's fighting Zokag and it's very I noticed this was really strange when Zokag starts bending skyscrapers. <laughs> you watch Inception and you watch the Doctor Strange film. Right, yeah. Straight yeah. from Shade to Change Man. But also if you look at the, <laughs> look at the front page I knew they'd stole it from there. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the front page, it's pretty vaginal, that design. <laughs> I, I mean, knew we'd get there really I knew we'd get there eventually. Um, so, so I mean, yeah. I it's 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 it's, aye, I mean, it's 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 funny because the storytelling in this I think is slightly off, and it actually yeah. reminds me of something that John Buscema does, where he does left hand, uh, left handed stacking a couple okay. of times, right. which is quite unlike Ditko, um, and so they have to they, like they've dropped in. Is it a famous um, story? Isn't it? Is it is it Ron Friend says it to him, or is it? I can't remember who it is now. He goes in, he, he looks at it, and he says, "You've drawn a, a left hand on his right hand there," and and Ditko looks at his own hand. And goes, ah, oh, yeah. Well, that's what editors are for, and wanders off again. You know, I, I thought, uh, okay, I, yeah. It was either Dick or Kirby because Kirby used to do that Mister Fantastic all the time. But to be oh, Mister right. Fantastic stretch, and so you'd be like, whose bloody hand? Where's that hand? <laughs> yeah, is yeah, that? yeah, where's that hand? Ah, um, uh, yeah, no, uh, God, I Dick and Kirby. Um, apparently, they used to. Well, they, they didn't socialize that much, but but they socialized and they got on very well. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. I like I like those sort of things. Right, we're drawing towards the end now, so I thought it might be worth um, just saying some of the stuff that I've read and is um, uh, worth a look. Um, and please include anything you've got. The World of Steve Ditko by Black Bell, which is, is the go-to. I know that's one that um, Eamon I was chatting to about earlier. It's a great book. Outer Limits, which is one of the Steve Ditko archives, which um, I think who's put them out? Is it Fantagraphics? I've got it in front of me now. Um, can't remember. Yeah, Fantagraphics. Um 
get wits end there's a nice hardback collection oh, it won't break right. the bank and it's got it's got four i think four ditko stories two or one pages and two mr a stories beautiful mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful um steve ditko in his own words which is a book that repeats a lot of his letters and stuff like that and a lot of the appearance the dude has spent a lot of money finding very old fanzines um from mm-hmm. the 60s and there's references to ditko went to the first new york comic convention and he was in 64 in a hotel yeah. in New York. Um, Ditko Shrugged, which is a great book. Uh, regards Ditko, which is a book... Um, be careful with that one. I think it's it's a guy who did communicate with Ditko in letters, but it, uh, it doesn't yeah. get going until about 80 pages through. Or we were talking about it before. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. Um, there's the Hard Agree podcast with um, with Mark Ditko, which is a good one. Andrew Sumner, who's a, uh, mm-hmm. an English guy. I think, he, I think he worked at Starburst or something like that. Um, in Search of Steve Ditko, the documentary watch it with a you know a, a grain of salt um there's the ditko play by schwartz um screw it comics there's um, a great ditko episode uh comic book called historians podcast word balloon word balloon we recommend with zach cruz um there's um a few different sites you can find out about him uh, marvel ditko issues collection spider-man mm-hmm. masterworks collection which we both got um you've got steve ditko's comics weblog which is a great one which is the one that has a lot of the details of what the essays and the rob snyder stuff that there's like a list mm-hmm. of it i'm not sure if you can buy through it because i was looking at the other day and it seems to have like an address you send a check to or something it's not something like sort of similar um there's loads of on the comics journal um beyond spider-man is a, is a great article on there um there's the Gutternaut, which um, gives a little overview, which is a sort of blog about him. Uh, Kayfabe, look at any of the Kayfabe Ditko. Ditko Unleashed is one of them, which is great. Um, Action Heroes, which is the archive, which is the one you can see about Blue Beetle and Captain Atom and all the all those characters. Um, An Amazing Spider Talk, Series 1, Episode 9, which is a good one about Ditko as well. You've got a few of them, man, have you? Uh, aye, so his um, the obituary, the obituary episodes of Amazing Spider Talk are really good as well. Yeah. They do an interview with Ron Friends in particular. Yeah, that's a Nick, good one. I read that. Nick, yeah, I heard that Nick, one. Nick Caputo. Okay. Um, I think um, who did see the guy that did Ditko shot? I can't remember. But oh. anyway, and, but Ron Friends in that he's talking about Ditko. And they ask him, what is it about Ditko? And he says, when push comes to shove, and believe me, no one's a bigger Rabita fan than I am. When push comes to shove, what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man standing next to, say, a cup swan Superman is Ditko. Okay. Um, and, and, he, and, and he talks a lot about the body language. If you look at someone like a Captain America, they fill the costume, they look like a superhero. They're a particular body. They've got a curvy um, body type. Yeah. If you look at Ditko's Spider-Man, he's leaning against stuff. He's awkward. You know, well, I mean, the costume it's, sags on occasion, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And but it, it's funny actually because the character actually fills out over Ditko's run, okay, and becomes much. You can actually see he's, he's that lean, lithe way. The costume sags, and then he becomes he's a wee stocky guy, and 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 they make comments and the um, things. God, he's got muscles like a weightlifter, kind of thing when they're feeling yeah. his muscles. Aye, right, so there's quite a few podcasts from, like you say, cartoonist Kayfabe. Yeah, a lot of episodes in Ditko. Um, there's the episode of Word Balloon the interview with Zach Cruzy, which is one. really good. Yeah. The obituaries ones are great. I, I would, I would go back to something you said earlier on about avoiding podcasts. The first five minutes they spend time trying to get inside Ditko's head, forget about it. Yeah, because it's just a couple of guys. I mean, we've not we've not done that, and you've 
you know, you've resisted it and I've resisted it. I don't want to put words in his mouth here because I don't know him. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he, he said, let my work speak for himself. And he wrote thousands of letters. Just read his stuff and yeah. you can see different and there's loads of those explored. letters out there. I picked out a few of the articles that are worth reading uh, as well. So there's an extensive, yeah. almost exhaustive list of stuff he wrote. You know, some of the ones, um, it kind of shows his mindset of the essays he wrote was violence, the phony issue. Yes. Creative yes. credibility. Um, the fixated negative. Anti-Ditko fans. Philosophy, philosophy versus no or anti-philosophy. And then he did something called the Tusk Tusk series, which is um, about various things. One of them stolen art pages. Um, uh, another one's about the unearthed stuff. And yeah, there's there's a series of those as well. You can find them on the Steve Ditko Comics web blog, which is um, run by Rob Snyder. There's there's a load of there. You can't necessarily buy them, but there's a, certainly an indication if you're a completist, there's a whole list of them there, which is good stuff. Yeah. Can I just tell the Tom DeFalco anecdote? Of course you can, man. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think it's an amazing spider talk. They're interviewing Tom DeFalco and, and they say, oh, you you worked with Steve Ditko. And he said, yeah, I, I, worked, I worked with Steve Ditko. And he said, how was that? He said, well, you know, it was one of my first jobs. Right. Um, and um, I was going to be working with Steve Ditko. And um, he thought, you know, they said, oh, Steve Ditko might do this. And he said, right, okay. He said, but Steve's got some conditions about what he will and won't do. Yeah. And he said, right, okay. And and a lot of that was around what you'd said earlier on about the, you know, the idea of the hero. Yeah. You know, the, you know yeah. Did, it's funny because if we talk about mystery, we probably think of him as a hero, but Dicko didn't. He's yeah. always a hero. Yeah. So, but anyway, so when it came to Machine Man, some people think, oh, he did it because he was a machine or with Rob, he was a, oh, God, I don't know, he was a cyborg or whatever. But anyway, yeah. So Tom DeFalco's telling this story and he said, he was, he was sitting there and um, and Steve Ditko phoned him and he was really nervous because, you know, this is Steve Ditko and he phoned him up and he starts talking to him about, you know, he's like, he started off with, you know, um, so, so who do you think you are that you can write a hero? And Tom DeFalco's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it has this hour-long conversation with him about what makes a hero wow. and his ideas and he gets to the end of the conversation, and it's and he said, you know, it's very heated at times. It's kind of like an argument. Right. And Steve Ditko, after an hour and a half, says, "Oh, right, I, I, I've got work to do. I need to go. I've really enjoyed this. We should do it again sometime." <laughs> he hangs up, and Tom DeFalco's recounting this to his editor, um, and his editor said, "So is he going to do the comic?" And Tom DeFalco says, "I don't know. I forgot to ask him." <laughs> <laughs> If you agree with them or not, I mean, the, he was a nice, by most accounts again, this is a, a guy into his eight, he's just showing up at his door and he's going to give you 10 minutes of his time and he could just tell you to fuck off or not answer the door. Yeah. Who does that? I don't give anyone any time at my front door. Yeah. God, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's not, the guy's not, there's so much false information built up against him, but the thing that really gets to me is it's purposely done so and it's been purposely done so over the years. He quit this because of the Green Goblin. Um, he walked away from this. Yeah, it's maddening, it. isn't it, when you actually I've know the truth. He yeah. didn't want any money from the movies. Really? Who said that? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, where was his... I mean, well, I know he wouldn't... Like, almost certainly wouldn't have done it because he had no interest in celebrity and actively resisted it. But, you know, was, did you see him in the red carpet? Yeah, and it's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 not just a shame; it's wrong. Yeah, and and again, if you if you as soon as you say this is wrong, I can understand how you know when Ayn Rand stuff's coming out, you would start to explore the difference between right and wrong. 
and the difference, particularly um, in production, right? And um, the regards, uh, you would you would start to explore those ideas and find it interesting, and then maybe it comes out in your work because is he describing objectivism or is he describing his own experiences as a as a producer? Yeah. So, aye. Good stuff, man. What a subject. That's maybe oh. our longest episode so far. Um, oh, yes, no, it's not our fault. No, we knew this would happen. Um, just quickly, then, let's have ten minutes on on uh, Mr. Cannon. So, what are you up to at the moment, dude? I know you're doing a lot of sketch. You're sending out a lot of sketch jobs at the moment. You're doing some yeah. drawing for people. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. So, what, what's happened is um, because there's been I missed the boat for Thought Bubble. I was going to table at that, and, right. and I've been thinking about. And I really would I do about cons this year. Um, I'd. Um, I was in holiday in Fife and the way back down popped into Little Shop of Heroes in, in Dunfermline and said, look, you know, I've done this comic. Okay. Um, you're interested in it? Sent them the uh, uh, kind of PDF just to have a look at and see if they think their customers would like it. And I said, look, if you're interested, I'll do some sketch cards as well. So anyone that orders a comic, anything from my, um, like anything physical from my online store, I do a sketch card for them just as a thank you for buying it. It okay. doesn't matter if they spend two pound or twenty quid in the book or whatever, okay. they'll, they'll get a sketch nice. card. Nice, because they're like pretty elaborate, it. man. You did a shade one, yeah. I know. You put it online today and said you're very excited. Yeah. Uh, well, that that <laughs> one was a commission, the shade one. Oh, was it? So okay. Was so the Doctor Strange, um, the Hellblazer. One, I think I did for you actually when I sent you. Something. Yeah, you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. and uh, there's a Dracula, like the Transylvania Knights version of Dracula and stuff. That's all sketch cards. It's just I like doing them. I think it's partly because when I did the Kickstarter for, um, oh fucking what's it called? United Welcome to the Shit Show. When I sent them out, I did a wee sketch card and that, but they were I had no time, so they were super quick, and okay. it always bugged me that some of the ones I sent out were a bit shit. So in this, because because I. The comic, when you're drawing a comic, it's very difficult to, because you're trying to maintain a style through it, um, you know, yeah, for, so the you. characters look the same for continuity of character design. Great Doctor Strange Man, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, really um, good. Yeah. That was looking at my hand in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, and did, have you seen the Dicko picture where he's speaking to his family? Um and he's people are like oh why is he doing this because your hands that's what Dicko's hands are like. Oh uh, okay, yeah. There's a picture honestly, and you you look at it and you're just like you can't mistake that as Steve Dicko because the hands are like Spider Man's webs are. Uh, anyway, okay. so I yeah. um, so that's up. So just now I'm I'm, I'm um, uh, making the um, follow up to the United Welcome to the Shit Show, which is the United Going Underground. And okay. if you look at the cover for that on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, you can see the Dicko influence. And you can see the crime master influence because okay. that body type, that walk, that hat, the shading under the hat, that is an Alex Toth, Steve Ditko um, uh, hat design. It's, it's not their figure because it's my figure work, the way that I construct things, which is a bit different than them. Yeah. They're just a better figure work than me because it's Steve Ditko and Alex Toth. <laughs> right. um, but but um, aye, so there's, there's a big Ditko influence in that. There's a huge Alex Toth influence in that. My, my style's evolved since the last book um, just partly because <laughs> doing the episode in Alex Toth with you and Russell yeah. a year ago the last oh no was, wow what's happened yeah every day I look at Creepy Presents Alex Toth every day and yeah. I go in and I look at it and just absorb that Toth his pace same his composition same with Ditko and just particularly those two issues the noirish elements how you do that particularly how you do that in black and white, how you use black and white. Looking at Ditko's stuff in Warren magazines over the last year, I've built up a box 
of war and magazines and like 2000 ADs and stuff. How do you do stuff in black and white? How do you use duotones? I've started um, using them. This, this, um, I'll, I'll send you some stuff after this. Yeah, yeah. You've seen some pictures from it. I'm using duotone quite a lot. I do it digitally. I'm using, uh, I don't use wash so much, but I'm going to use wash. And right. I'm going to pull, probably pull in some um, Alberto Breccia okay. um, for, a, for, a, <laughs> for a scene which is a bit wild. Um, and I'm doing that. What else have been looking at a lot? Uh, Spanish artists because... I, have you got that I'm David speaking... Roach book, the Spanish artist David Roach? I, you know, can't, I, can't, I can't get hold of it. So I bought oh, okay. an illustrator special issue and I also bought the... Is it Jose Rodriguez, the Vampirella artist? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the stuff, my the wife, Dynamite book they put out, that one. Yeah, my yeah. wife told me to get rid of it because she just said it was pornography. So. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you the, remember the picture with the boxing. Have you yeah, ever yeah. seen boxing like that? <laughs> I do love Vampirella, man. Now, there's a great. You can get a, you can get a trade. I bought it for um, Prolix for Christmas one year. You can get a trade that's just the strips from Vampirella, right? Um, which doesn't include all the rest, you know, because you can buy these. I've got them. I've got the first four, the Dynamite collections, but right. there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm not interested in because I just wanted it for the Vampirella stuff. But you can get a trade right. that's just that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so, so, so that's that's what I'm doing there. It's, it's, it's trying to. It's very clean line, and I'm doing that, and I'm very very happy with it. It's a tighter, and I say it's a tight, it's, it's a tighter story. Um, one of the things I did um, recently as well was um, Howard Chaikin does oh, a, yeah, three, yeah. a three workshop series and called Paradigm, Paradigm 1, 2 and 3. And I went to 2 and 3 and Paradigm 1 was on YouTube. Right. And um, so did that, which is explaining how he approaches page design, his process for creating comics from scratch. Yeah. Um, and learned a lot from that. I've done forty pages so far, um, and, um, and it's, it's I know it's. How, how, said this to me. This is this is. It's all, this is where long. we were about three years ago. You and I. You said, "Oh, I've done forty pages. Probably just finish it in 10. And then it was like, "What seventy uh, pages?" Then was it? I can't remember. It was. It ended up seventy-nine new yeah. pages. The last one. So this one's forty pages. So I started this in January. That's good. Though. So and, and I've yeah, been yeah. doing a lot. I've done. I had quite a few commissions this year. I'm doing sketch cards and stuff as well. So quite a lot. And also being a dad. Um, you know, having a, boy, yeah. a full-time job and stuff like that. I was beating myself up because I'd, I'd hoped to finish it by the end of the year. That's not going to happen. So yeah. I'll do a Kickstarter early next year. Or I'm not going to beat myself up if if the story keeps evolving and there's a tight, very tight, it's because of one of the one of the B or C plots. It's kind of grown a little bit. Right. I've got more ideas. It's a bit like shade. Changing man. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how much to put in? Yeah. Um, but but that's but it's but that's, a lot that's the it. thing is it's, if Shade was a graphic novel, imagine we'd be going nuts for it these days, wouldn't we? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, that's just it. I I mean, that's that's one thing actually we didn't talk about with Ditko is Ditko and Kirby. One of the things that they've another one of the things they've got in common apart from the storytelling and 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 you know the motion and stuff, even though they did that differently. Yeah, joyfulness in their comics is incredible. Yeah, there's a, there's a fun there. These, isn't these there? are there's two two guys, and I think. That's the difference. When you said earlier on about can you see a difference in Ditko's work, the joy goes out of Ditko's work and the joy goes out of Kirby's work as well um, towards the end of their careers and comes back in and I think it's back in in Shade but he's, I think by Shade he's lost yeah. a little bit of a step because of his age probably because um, he would have been 50. Yeah, yeah. get yeah. some man, you've got to get some of these that later stuff. I'll see if yeah, I'm fine. I, so I know Gosh has got a couple of issues going. I'll see. I'll see what they've got because I think Gosh are involved in it somewhere. They're they're mentioned in the book somewhere, um, in the in the issues. You know, like almost like they're a partner into making it or something. You know, 
there's a guy called Billy Hines who now lives in Edinburgh who used to work for Gosh, and he's done a bootleg, a 500-page bootleg of Alex Toth comics. And right. I wonder if he's thought about doing something similar for Dick. Well, I've got to know him on Twitter. He, yeah. and, and, and Alistair Black, who we both yeah, know, yeah, yeah. he met him in Forbidden Black a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and and, and it's, this is so funny because they both told me this. And I was just like, ah, oh, this, is, this is strange. Like, oh, yeah, we're talking about your work. And I was like, this is really weird. I'm yeah. not comfortable with this. It's a small um, world these days, isn't it? Which you more well-known than me. Uh, Do you know, see, when I read that Michael, the Harlan Ellison interview... Yeah, and when he was saying about you know he's a bug, fuck, he's a derangel and stuff, and I started laughing because I was like, if Tony would use this as a pool coat and atomic Hercules and be proud of it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Harlan yeah. Ellison just said that about us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robert Cartman once told me to go fuck myself. That's really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. See, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, he did, he did too. Uh, All right. On a podcast. Aye, good. Aye, that's our story for our time. Yeah, but, uh, aye, so, well, so where can we find your stuff, man? Where can we go and get it? Um, Cannon Hill Comics on Facebook um, and Cannon Hill Comics on um, at, uh, at Cannon Hill Comic and, and Twitter. Um, yep. My Instagram one's the one um, I, I, put, I like best, even though I've got the least amount of I don't like Twitter. I've had a couple of Twitter run-ins lately where I probably should have kept my mouth shut. Yeah, I hate, um, I hate Twitter, man. It's, I think we've got to a point now where nobody progresses their career on Twitter anymore. I, you know. It's funny, if, if, again, get back to objectivism, black and white, that's Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it's just no the nuance. Nuance. There's, no yeah. nuance. there's no nuance. There's no nuance. It's just, and I, I won't just... name any names. I probably shouldn't even bring it up. But just getting in a, not even an argument. Just people seem to get so passive aggressive. If you ask a question, why have, why did you say that? Oh, blah blah blah. And you're like, I'm not having a go at you. I'm genuinely know, asking you. Just it's 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 comics are. Comics are a funny. I almost feel like Twitter's hurting comics now. I agree yeah, with you because yeah. was it was that that uh, Mark Miller did that thing recently when he was saying was it ninety five percent yeah yeah I ordered, I ordered that um, Eisner Miller conversation book that he recommended yesterday and that's that should be downstairs as, as I walk downstairs to get my tea it should be sitting there waiting for me so I'm looking forward to that have you read yeah. Spider Miguel King yet. Uh, I have not, my friend. No, sorry, it is on my yeah, pile. I'm telling here. you, you are going to. I'm going to love it. I know. I know. Everyone's it. always talking, and you, you've been saying it. In, yeah, thank you very much. Oh, but I, cha- I will changed worry. my mind. It changed. It changed my mindset because you, you, it's it's that it's it's the stuff Kane talks about. It's like he tells you where um, he comes from. He tells you where Eisner comes from. He tells you, you know, it's it's almost like the epistemology of comics. You can see how these yeah. guys constructed themselves. You know, you know, Kirby comes a bit from Kniff and. What's the name of that co- the, the, the course they all ordered? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the one. Yeah, I Cartoonist yeah. Kayfabe did a review of it. Yeah. So that's what I... Yeah, good oh, stuff, man. Good. Um, I also bought, this week, I also bought a Fisto figure for my desk. <laughs> I thought that was a Tommy Hercules, just because of the angle you sent me from. Yeah. Um, and I thought, did I offend you with my comment? What, 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 how did you get it out of your ass? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a medical. You're it's you're concerned for my uh, my welfare, but at that point it hadn't quite come out, so I just left it for the moment. But the yeah, yeah. so I did that. Um, also, the anthology, the drawn under the influence um, anthology, is coming soon. Uh, thanks very much to Eleven O'clock Comics for the lovely review that went live this morning about it, a sort of preview of it. Dap, I owe you a beer, my friend. Um, so I met up with Mister Cumber and Missus Harris. Um, we had a, we had a bite to eat. Um, at a place called somebody is it Susie's Pussy or something the same name. That's literally the name of the place we went to. <laughs> what? Uh, I know. 
I'll send Look you. I'll send you the sign. Shot. I took a picture of the sign of it. I'll send it to you in a minute. Um, and just to discuss it, so that's that's out in the world soon. Uh, tribute press, uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash flash tribute press has got the ongoing flesh and ink. Um, we've just got a sexy nun. Sexy nun's about to enter the scene now, so I'm quite pleased with that. Um, and George Mayhem has gone live on the tribute press big cartel, which I'll stick the link in for. That is that is fantastic. Well done again in that. Thank you. It's, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible in. bit of work. Atomic Hercules as well. Honestly, your stuff is in flesh and ink. It's, I've not read flesh and ink yet. I've just not had time. But that's I, right, man. I completely that's forgot right. you were sending it out. It's incredible. Thank you, man. It's, it's very it's, kind it's of you. you, it's, you, uh... know, you Tribute Press are, are producing, for me, the most exciting independent comics. Um, it's, it's certainly in the UK, I and mean, I can't speak for a while, that, that I've seen. Thank you, mate. You it's know, very I, kind of you. Yeah, we're having we're I having a, a laugh. I mean it. Yeah, that's very kind. We're having a, a laugh with it. Um, I'll tell you some more after we stop. But yeah, so it's going net. So um, go and buy some comics by Mister Mister Cannon. That's what you want in your life. I keep looked up. Almost said your real name. Um, go and get uh, go and get some of his comics and read some Ditko. Go out and buy it. There's whether there's no bad Ditko. Go and buy it and read it. Ooh, yeah, that's I forgot to mention this. When right, okay. Color theory alone. This is one thing I noticed. Marvel Unlimited, the Amazing Spider-Man comics, have been recolored, and the recoloring job they've done on Ditko's Spider-Man issues, it's terrible. Right, okay. Because the colour right. theory that Goldberg put in, like, there's a lot of scenes that like uses deep blues, purples. Right. When when they were reprinted in Marvel Masterworks, it looks better because they added gradients to the colours. Oh, okay. So it looks it looks lush for the for the glossy paper. Yeah, I've got the but, masterwork but the for the first. I've got the first masterwork for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so in so in some of the backgrounds that sorry, in some of the panels that don't have backgrounds because you know it's a close up and stuff like that, and they've got colour in the background. They swap reds for yellows, right. but also the colourist whoever's done it takes a naturalistic approach to colouring, so tries to make it look real. Whereas in the the original issues, it's like a solid blue background, solid blue figure for that noirish lighting, right. and it completely changes the mood of the comic. Um, it was it was only when um, earlier on I was thinking about colour theory and Stan Goldberg yeah. because I'd read an interview with him and he was talking about why he uses certain colours and I was like and that's when I started thinking about the importance of colour in those old comics and why people like Stan Goldberg, uh, Marie Severin I can't remember the other one. Okay, there was two other folk. Why they, why those colourists who aren't even credited um, are, are are so important. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing as well. I mean, the person really to interview, if you're looking about who did what with regards to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, would have been Sam Rosen because he was the yes. letterer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, we didn't mention him earlier. We should have mentioned him. Yeah, you did definitely. Aye. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good. Thanks, dude. We should say goodbye now, and we'll have, we'll keep chatting after I press stop. So, thanks, dude. Brilliant one. Excellent. Mm-hmm.